Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning, very special Thursday morning, as it is opening day uh, for Major League Baseball, opening day for the Phillies, uh, as Mike Angelina can see, not the uh, entire audience, obviously, but I have my Philly shirt on, my Bryce Harper shirt Uh all ready for the season, ready for uh, the game later today, 3.05, right here on WIP. I'm disappointed in you, Mike. You do not have any Phillies gear on, I observed. Uh, I thought you would, uh, you'd you be all decked out. Oh, you do? Oh, never mind, you do. You have a Philly shirt on. Thank Sorry. It was not, yeah, it's mean, not we, bright we were red. socially distanced with all these studios. You didn't really see Right. It. You're, it's not bright red like mine. You have the maroon yeah. kind of old school look. Yeah. So, so yeah. I got to say, if you gave me like five guesses of what jersey that is on your back, I would not have guessed Bryce. I, I didn't think you're a Bryce guy. No, I am. I'm a Bryce. Now, I'm a Bryce guy, but I, I just keep it real, you know? And, and he, the, the over the top, you know, trying yeah. to be a Philly guy. I no, heard I Bryce breaking out a little uh, 
fake <laughs> Philly guy accent during an interview with John Clark. By the way, I got a got a law John Clark. He's getting some pretty good guests for his uh, podcast there. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bryce. You know, he, he sometimes he goes over the top okay. of the Philly guy thing. Doesn't mean I'm anti Bryce. I like Bryce Harper. Okay, it's just you know, jerseys are for like special, uh, especially favorite players. So uh, just, I guess uh, you. Well, I don't think I. I I don't think I bought this. I think uh, it was a gift. I'm pretty sure my wife had bought it for me or something. So, you know, um, but but I have my Bryce Harper shirt on already for opening day as the Phillies begin their season in April, as it's meant to be. I mean, to think last year at this time it was not time for opening day. It was right around this time that we were talking about bubbles in Arizona, and you know we were watching KBO. Uh, at this point, um, and Aaron Altair and, you know, everything going on with the pandemic and it was just brutal. But this year, as is meant to be opening day, April 1st in South Philadelphia, Citizens Bank Park later today, Phillies Braves, Max Freed and Aaron Nola on the mound. And another Philly season begins always very exciting. Always exciting, regardless of who you're a fan of when it's opening day. Even when you have a team that's not expected to be very good, you never really know. And when a new season begins, you always believe or at least have that hope that your team can surprise. It happens in baseball from year to year. Like, you know, the Tigers, what was that, like 15, 20 years ago, kind of came out of nowhere. And... Uh, had a a surprise season, uh, you know. Dombrowski. There you go. Um, the the Marlins. Every time they have gone on a run, it's been a, a shocking development. Dombrowski. Dombrowski was at the Marlins. Yeah. When was that? Ninety seven. Oh, okay. And if that, you don't want to give him credit for ninety seven, right. give, give him credit for the free. Red Sox a couple years ago. Um, uh, you know the 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 Royals back five years ago. Nobody expected them to win a World Series that season. It happens in baseball where you can kind of come out of nowhere and surprise from time to time. And when the new season starts, all 30 teams and all 30 fan bases have that hope that their team could be the one to surprise, that their team could come out of nowhere, um, the health could go their way, a couple young players step up, you get, career years from your veterans which you know in baseball it's very unpredictable sometimes goes your way and and a bunch of guys have great years and that's what everybody's hoping for but thankfully for us the Phillies are not in that situation they are not in the situation where they would need to be this incredibly surprising group to go on a run they are a team that goes into this season with expectations to be competitive. A team that is expected to contend and be better and with much to prove after what I believe to be an incredibly disappointing season for this club in 2020. I mean, we've talked about it a ton. Not a full season, 60 games, DH, expanded playoffs, all of these things that should have worked in the Phillies' favor last year. Yet they fell short. They were not able to break that streak. They were not able to get back to the postseason. 
And in the end, it was an incredibly disappointing year uh, in a season where, hey, in a 60-game season, I felt like there was extra focus on the Philly. Sports had just returned. It's Every game mattered so much more considering the shortened length, considering the urgency. And when they failed to make the playoffs, it was extremely disappointing. With a highly touted manager, a high-profile and highly paid roster with star talent to not get it done last year was a failure. But you look back this year, and the Phillies make the large financial commitment. They bring back JT Real Muto. They bring back Didi Gregorius. Solidifying what is on paper one of the best lineups in the National League. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We'll go through it throughout the course of the show tonight. A little later on, we'll try to predict the lineup that Joe Girardi will send out there on Thursday afternoon. I think it's pretty clear uh, what the lineup will be. But we will predict it a little later on. But a lineup that projects to be certainly one of the best in the National League. A lineup that should put up a number of runs. A lineup that should keep this team in games every single night. Or at least most nights. One of the budding young stars in the game, in Alec Bohm, who in my mind was the highlight of the 2020 season for this ball club. It's really no doubt. I mean, when you look at the positives that came out of that 60-game season last year where the team performance was ultimately a a failure, Alec Bohm at least turned some heads. After all of the, the you know, hype surrounding him, he comes up in August and shows that that hype was warranted. Did not at any point look like he was out of his element, that he was overmatched in the major leagues. And I'm excited to see Alec Bohm once again in a Phillies uniform this season. They come back with a starting rotation that, that admittedly has holes. You look at the back of that rotation, Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, they are not going to get you excited. But a, a, a rotation with frontline talent as well, with Zach Wheeler. With Aaron Nola, a guy like Zach Eflin, who I am very high on as a potential breakout candidate this year, and not, you know, phony hype, like the the Pavetta hype from, you know, the, the, the amateur baseball experts out there, but real hype with Zach Eflin. Uh, and and the, the, the kind of potential that he showed last year. What do you think of Eflin? Eflin's a real starter, not Pavetta, right? He's not another Pavetta. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eflin's a major league starter. He's, I mean, he could, on a good day, he could be a major league too. He's good. Um, I was going to say, it must be a March 10th thing because Rob is very high on Zach Eflin too this year. I like what I see from Eflin. I think he he, he does a good job mixing pitches. Um, you know, he's an imposing figure on the mound. I like the size I, and and I, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like, there's a difference between him and Pavetta in that regard where, you know, Eflin is not a guy who shows a ton of emotion on the mound, and I like that. Eflin's coachable. Right, exactly. And I'm excited to see what he does this year. The Achilles heel of this team last year, the bullpen, um, is dramatically improved with the additions of Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado. 
you know, Brandon Kinsler, Coonrod, uh, Connor Brogdon, who was very encouraging last year in limited action due to his injuries, but at the end of last season, I mean, was probably the most reliable person in that bullpen. Again, not saying a ton, considering you didn't have much to go to, but a guy that showed at least some potential. And this team, it's no secret, should be better. There is no doubt about that. But how much better is the question? And that's where we'll start the show tonight. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494 is how you get in if you would like to. But how much better are the Phillies this year? Because we are 10 years removed from their last playoff appearance. 10 years removed from a period that I don't know will ever be matched by this organization. I mean, it's the best five-year run this organization, this franchise has had in their, what, 100 and whatever year history? And they've been around since what? The, the, they've been around since the 1800s, this organization? And that was the best five-year run in Philadelphia Phillies history. 2007 to 2011. And in the 10 years that have followed, it has been disappointment. It has been underachieving. And most of all, baseball that has lacked that playoff postseason element. That element that we got so used to, to, to seeing. 07 through 11. The only period in my life where any team has come close to rivaling the popularity of the Philadelphia Eagles. The only time you could ever make an argument that this was not a football town. Because in those years, the Eagles season really didn't start until the Phillies were eliminated. You know, we didn't talk a ton of Eagles. I know as a fan... I didn't care nearly as much about the Eagles early in the season until the Phillies were eliminated. And that is something that we have been deprived of the last 10 years. And that is really the only question that matters. Whether this team wins 75 games or 80 games, 83, 85, 88, the only thing that matters is whether or not they will be returning to the postseason this year. And I like this team. And I absolutely do think that they are better with the bullpen, with Alec Bohm for a full season, a a more veteran-laden rotation that you can count on, better depth on the bench, a, a, a more healthy Andrew McCutcheon, who clearly wasn't right the first month of last season. And I think they will compete. But I do not think the drought ends this year. And I don't want to be disappoint. I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be negative. I I wanted to pick the Phillies to go to playoffs, and we'll do our predictions tonight. But when I look at it in totality, and I look at what they are up against, and I look at this division, and you know the league in general, which is improved. I mean, the division's the best in baseball. I think we all know that. The National League is very strong this year, where. 
you have four strong teams in the Central. You know, you have three or four strong teams in it, or three strong teams in the West. And four strong teams, maybe even five, if you think the Marlins are going to be uh, able to, to some level, repeat their performance next year. Maybe five teams in the NL East. This is a deep league. And I think the Phillies will contend. I think they will be in the mix. But in the end, I think they are probably the third best team in the NL East. And the seventh or eighth best team in the National League. And while I'm excited for this season, and I can't wait for baseball, I'm very excited for 305 uh, to, to, to watch this matchup and see this thing gets, get underway. To be able to watch Phillies baseball every day, which is the great thing about baseball season, is that, you know, the off days are the aberration. Most days you are going to have baseball to watch. And while I'm excited for this season, I can't wait for the season to start. I got to keep it real here. And I do not believe that the 10-year playoff drought ends this year. I think the Phillies will be fun to watch. I think they'll be entertaining. But much the same, I do not have that confidence that they are good enough. That they are good enough to get back to the playoffs. That, you know, all of the improvements that they've made, while they will be better, I don't believe it's enough. And I want your opinion on it. Do you believe I'm wrong? Do you believe that the Phillies will be headed back to the postseason? In 2021, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Open line start the show, 215-592-9494. Will the Phils be a playoff team? I also want you to give me some bold predictions. Give me some uh, some things you're looking at this year, some things you're expecting from this team, player you're most excited to watch, uh, whatever you want in regards to the Phillies. We're going to talk a lot of baseball tonight. Do have some Sixers stuff. Do have some Eagles stuff that we will get to as well, and, and we will uh, mention the Flyers, as what a disappointing season this is becoming for the Flyers. Mentioned it the other, talked about it a little bit the other night. Um, they lose 6-1 to one to a team that had lost 17 straight. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. And later in this hour, I will tell you what the Flyers need to do to correct this issue. Um, but uh, once your thoughts on the Phils start to show here, uh, any of those other topics, you're welcome to get in on as well. 215 592 9494. You can also find me on Twitter at Tommy Kelly44. Uh, when we get back, Mike and I will make our NL East predictions um, for this season. So we'll get them on the record here. I'll give you my Phillies final record in 2021. And I want to address some of the comments that Reese Hoskins made last week on with Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie. And we'll do that all. When we return, but open line starts the show. 215 592 9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on opening day, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning. If you want to get in, we do have open lines to start the show here. 215-592-9494 as it is Philly's opening day. Um, 
can get Phil. I mean, there will be Phillies talk all day here on the station. Now, this is different than a typical opening day, uh, obviously. And and I remember normally at this time, Mike, I would be. Uh, well, this was back in, in my engineering days, back when we did remotes. Uh, we'd be in our little concourse area booth, and this was honestly, uh, you know, one of my least favorite shows of the year. Why? Well, just because it that booth is, you know, designed to accommodate mainly two people and a two sh- two people and a producer, like. You know, well, it, it's designed for the midday or afternoon guys. Yeah, and a guest though. There's there's always a guest with Jim. Right, and, and a guest. Yeah, and a guest and a producer. I mean, but you get four people in there. It's you know a little tight. Sure. But on opening day, oh, they would send everyone. down We would there. send the whole morning show down there. So, yeah. and I, you know, I was the morning show engineer. So it would be me, Angelo, Al, Ria, usually Jonesy. I mean, Ava, Dan Donnelly, uh, we'd have everybody. I mean, I, that that might be one of the days. That Actually, that's usually one of the days Wechter goes out on remote as well. So we would have somebody else back here. I mean, you know, it would be a, a who's who. There would be wow, Phillies people shuffling in and out. That is too many people. It is. In that, I mean, you know the dimensions of this booth. And, yes. And even people, it, people out there probably know the dimensions of the booth, too. If you go to Phillies games frequently. You know, you'll see it. It looks like a little box car back behind, what is it, Section 125? Something like that? that? Sounds right, yeah. Yeah. It's behind the home plate, directly home Yeah, plate. right next to the media elevator to go up to the uh, the press level. Um, because that would be uh, always a challenge for me because I'd have the some nights where I'd, I'd work a double and I'd do, um, well, I'd do the afternoon show. Then I'd, I would work with Jim for Phillies on deck down in the... Uh, down in the booth, and then I would have to take the elevator up real quick to get to the uh, to get to the uh, Phillies radio booth. By the way, I'll be down there Saturday uh, producing the game. Very excited! You'll be. Are you still going to the game Saturday? Uh, uh, up in the air. N- well, it didn't give enough notice. I guess not going. Okay, all right. Um, but uh, you'll be at, at future games on. Yeah. Maybe Mike. Maybe you and I can enjoy a game together. In the press box some someday, yeah, you know a little bonding experience, yeah. yeah. Um, you so Janssen, yeah, yeah, it'll be a, a who's who up there, um, and you know, hopefully we can all relax. Um, the the more we we get through the uh, pandemic here, and everybody gets vaccinated, and and we move forward. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. And uh, discussing to start the show. You know, uh, it, it, we all know this team's improved. I mean, they are better on paper than they were last year. And barring just a rash of serious injuries, which you hope doesn't happen, you never really know, but you hope doesn't happen, barring a rash of injuries, this team is going to be better than they were last year. Uh, there's no doubt about that, specifically for the bullpen that was so horrendously awful last year. Like, this team is going to be better. But how much better is all that really matters? You know, will they be good enough to break this drought and get back to the postseason? I mean, 10 years is a long, long time. And I don't know, it doesn't feel to me like it's been 10 years since they made the playoffs. Does it feel like that to you, Mike? Does it feel to you like it's been 
a 10-year drought. Like, it feels like a long time, but it doesn't feel like a, a decade that we've been without playoff baseball to me. Feels like eight and a half. Eight and a half, okay. Um, pretty specific number there. Um, well, but what does it feel like to you? I don't know. It just doesn't feel like 10, but when you, but also when you think about it, and like, it doesn't feel like 10 years since they were in the playoffs, but then you think back and the fact that, that the last playoff game that the Phillies played Roy Halladay started, you do realize how long ago it was. Jeez, yeah. Like, I mean, that that's that's pretty crazy, and that was such a crushing loss, and I've always said the most crushing thing about that loss is that everybody forgets how great a game Roy Halladay pitched. Like, it probably um, was... Oh, actually, I think they revealed it in the documentary that that game did broke like back. yeah, it did damage to him forever because he he tweaked his back in the first inning and then gutted out uh, the next day. What did he throw? Like 140 pitches in that game? Yeah, he threw a lot. I mean, yeah. it was incredible performance from from Roy Halladay, and the fact the Phillies couldn't get any runs for him was was extremely disappointing. But ten years since we've had playoff baseball, and that's all that really matters. Will they be good enough to get back to the postseason? As I said in the first segment, I do think they'll be better. I don't think they're going to be good enough to get back to the playoffs. I don't think that they are going to be that level of a team in 2021. Because I think the the division's good, and I think the league is real good. And before we go further, I do want to give you my predictions for this division this year. Um... Because I look at it, and I have the Phillies third. I have the Phillies finishing third in the National League East this season. I have them with a final record of 85-77. and 77. I've gone up. At first, I, I, I thought they'd be closer to 500, but I think they will be you know, a little over. I'll have them 85-77 and 77 in the mix, but not good enough. Uh, first in the division, I have the Atlanta Braves. I think they're the best team. I think they're the most complete team. Um, solid lineup again. Solid pitching staff once again. Just a well-run organization. I think they're first. I think it's a bounce-back year for the Nationals, who, who, you know, I really do believe a lot of their... I, I think as an organization, they kind of mailed it in last year after winning the World Series, shortened season. I don't think they were all that invested. Um I think the Nationals are back this year. I mean, their pitching staff, we forget how strong that pitching staff is when they're healthy, when they can start with with Scherzer and uh, Strasburg and Corbin. I mean, that is as vicious a 1-2-3 as you will see in Major League Baseball um, with their lineup that that is improved again with the addition of, of Josh Bell and, um, you know, the young players like Soto and Trey Turner and uh, everything that and Robles and all the guys they've got, uh, you know, that is a very impressive group. I think they finished second. I think the Phillies are third. I think the Phillies are better than the Mets because you know they're the Mets, and I know the Mets um, re-signed Lindor. They're able to get that deal done on the eve of free agents. That's kind of a bummer that the Phillies maybe could have been in the mix for Lindor next year. I doubt it. Um, but uh, the Mets get the deal done for Lindor. You know, much like the Phillies, like with the Mets, I'm not going to trust them until I see it. And I like the Marlins pitching staff. But in the end, I think they made the playoffs more than anything because of the fluky nature of a 60-game season and an expanded playoff field. Over 162, that's not going to hold up for the Miami Marlins. So the way I go in the NL East, I go Braves, 
Nationals, Phillies, Mets, and Marlins. Mike, what are your standings for the NL East this season? In fifth place, I have the fifth. Oh, that's a better way to go. Five to one. That's a, that's a better way Thank to you. do it. Oh uh, well, we have five more divisions. Uh, the fish, fourth place. I have the Mets. I don't actually believe that, but I'm just rooting for it. I actually think the uh, the Phillies will be in fourth, but I'll put ah, the Phillies third. They're the Mets. The, the Mets. Okay. The Mets always choke it away. By the way, I told you this off air. The Mets plus two forty five to miss the playoffs. I like that bet. I I might take that. I mean, yeah. the, the, I, the, uh, the odds are so they're they're saying the odds are better that the Mets make the playoffs than miss it. Well, what am I missing there? They think the Mets are great. Oh, well, I disagree. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Brave second. That's Ooh. I guess where we differ. And then the Natitude the Nationals plus eight hundred to win the NL East. Wow, I you know what I actually like that bet better. I I have the Braves winning it, but I was going back and forth. I mean, well, I honestly if, think if one's right, both could be right. So, like, I honestly think the Nationals are the more talented club. I do. I just think you know. It's easier to trust a team, you know, that has shown it more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like, and the Braves have shown it over the last couple of years. And man, the Braves got to be motivated this year after blowing that three-one lead in the uh, the NLCS. Um, the year before, they blew a two-one lead, and they had that ten-nothing first inning. Oh my god! I remember, I remember doing updates that night, and I'm watching it, and uh, like I'm doing the updates of the game on KYW, yeah. and that first inning, like I, I did like three updates, which is like an hour uh, where I would do one at 15, one at 45, one at 15. And it's like, uh, the, I think the inning was like still going. It was incredible. Um, but uh, I mean, I do like the Braves and they've shown it. And that's a big deal is showing it. And, you know, I want to go back to last week because you look at the expectations of this team and how they are being viewed both locally and nationally, and what the Phillies feel about themselves. And, you know, I never got to this. I had it on my list to talk about last week. We never got to it. But I wanted to talk about it tonight, this being our opening day show. And if you want to get in, as I mentioned, open lines, 215-592-9494. But Reese Hoskins last week was on with Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie, and he uh, mentioned that he thinks the Phillies aren't getting their proper respect. I got to see, I got to be a part of that Eagles run um, as a fan. Um, and I, I got to see how exciting that was just, you know, for the city and for the greater Philadelphia area, man. And I've heard stories. I've heard you guys talk about it. I've heard a ton of people talk about it. Um, it's time for us to experience it. Um, we feel like we got a pretty veteran, experienced team that have been in some big situations um, we got a lot of young talent as well. It kind of feels like things are um, coming together in that sense, but there's also a little bit of a sense that um, we're being overlooked, and mm -hmm. I think that's going to give us a little bit of an extra edge. Um, obviously, our division's super, super tough, and there's going to be a lot of good baseball. But you know, we're we're every bit of as confident um, in the, the team that we have now to be able to compete in our division and com compete late into October. Now, you know, Bryce Harper thinks the team's being overlooked. And, and as a player, I mean, I guess you have that mindset that you want to have confidence. But, you know, I, as I mentioned uh, earlier on this week, I was working the game with the guys in the booth on Sunday afternoon. And uh, Scott L.A. and Kevin Franzen 
they talked about it a little bit and I thought had a, a real uh, interesting perspective on Reese's comments. And I think one of the other things, too, I mean, Hoskins mentioned it uh, the other day. He said, I think we're being overlooked. That's fine. Let, let them overlook you. Absolutely. Don't talk yeah. about it. Just do it. Just go out. And that's, I, I felt like, even when, it was, when I was with Seattle or Cleveland with the teams that were not good, you go to spring training, you have to believe you're going to the playoffs. You have to believe that, that, that you're going to win. Because if you don't believe that, you've you got no chance. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this, this group of guys, that they, they believe in each other, they, they, they trust each other. And they think they can win. And that's, you, you have to, I mean, part of it, they got to get to a point where they know they can win. Mm-hmm. Not think they can win, but, and that's a difference. And talk about it, do yep. all that, be about it. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I agree with that sentiment that Larry and, and Kevin Franzen are, are, are talking about there. That, you know, it's fine to have confidence, but you got to prove it on the field. And, you know, if the Phillies are being overlooked, it's it's for good reason. It is. Because the last two years, this is a team that has not lived up to the hype. This is a team that has not lived up to the expectations. And when you talk about proving it on the field, uh, you know, Joe Girardi, who spoke on, on Wednesday, kind of addressed that a little bit as well. They're a really good team, and, and, and we know that. And we have to prove that you know we do match up against them and the rest of the division on, on a daily basis i like our club um I, I i think there's a lot of talent on this club and you know you can talk about talent you can talk about what guys are able to do but the great thing is you you know you have to prove it on the field and i think our guys are looking forward to that challenge and that's the bottom line and, and you know i I I didn't necessarily like when Reese Hoskins made that comment. And I know you can compare it to, well, Jimmy Rollins made the comment back in 2007 before the Phillies did anything. I kind of look at it differently. Like, I feel like that Phillies team in the mid-2000s, they were a team that was clearly ascending. They were a team that was clearly on the way up. Like, yeah, they failed to get to the playoffs at the end of 05 and 06. But they did not have these really disappointing failures that this Phillies team had. And when Reese Hoskins talks about we're being overlooked, yeah, you're being overlooked because you guys have not, have not performed to the level that you were expected to perform at the last two years. Like this is a team in 2019 that I remember the day Bryce Harper signed. And that was after the Phillies had made the move for real Muto and McCutcheon and Segura and I remember we, we all thought that team was going to the postseason. You know, that first series, the Phillies come out, they smack the Braves around uh, for a three-game sweep, and there was just this over-exuberance that this team was heading to the playoffs. And what did they do? They faltered. They faltered in the final two months of the season. Last year, this, that, that Phillies team had no business missing the playoffs. In a 60-game season with an expanded field, they should have made it. And when you're when you talk about being overlooked, and well, you know, why are we being overlooked? You're being overlooked because you have not lived up to expectations. And this is what happens to teams who do not live up to expectations. When you don't do it enough times, you are going to be to be overlooked nationally. You are going to be overlooked in terms of being a contender. 
you need to go out and prove it on the field. And especially coming from a guy like Hoskins, who has been, I think, a, a, a disappointment in regards to what he has done and the player that he has been compared to the player who he was, who he's, he was expected to be. When did he come up, Mike? Was that 2017? Reese came up late 2017? August 10th, 2017, yeah. Okay. Um, my wife's birthday, by the way. August August 10th. Um, but uh, Reese Hoskins was expected to be a centerpiece. I They still have the clip where, I don't know if anybody plays uh, MLB The Show, they have the generic clip when the guy comes to the plate and they're like, uh, per- a perennial MVP candidate, Reese Hoskins. Like, no, he's not. You notice that ever? No, I, I muted immediately. I, okay. That's my time to like listen to like the radio or podcast. Or uh, by, by the way, and I haven't played the show in a while, Really weak move this year. They don't have it being released until late April. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they saved it for the holiday. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and especially like you got to have a video game out for the start of the season. Like, what is that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, last year we were ready to go. Like we were. I think it came out uh, during spring training because we had it before the pandemic, the shutdown. Yeah, and I barely. That was a waste of sixty dollars. I barely played it last year. Oh, uh, I um, I played it those first like two months. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was too sad to to play like video games. I was I was I was less less like April less like you know mid March to mid May. I was in like a pretty bad bad depression without sports. It was rough for me. Hmm. You know, I think with with uh with a uh, you know you find other stuff to do, but I, I was bored, man. I, I need my sports. Uh, you know, yeah. we my 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 escape is coming here and doing our Seinfeld tournament. Yeah, no, that was I like it's kind of crazy how many weeks we soaked up. Oh my Looking god. back on it. Oh my god. I'll just like I just think that back now. It was so like I just feel how sad and pathetic was it that we fa- thought we had a gold mine the night Greeny hosted that stupid show. <laughs> like that was like a gold mine for us because we actually had sound the play that was relevant. You know, because we 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 really had nothing to talk about. Or anytime Jeff Passan went on TV. Yeah. Yeah, we, oh my god, it was brutal. Um but yeah, I mean it, 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 like, there's a reason you're being overlooked, Reese. It's because you have been incredibly disappointing. What did you think of those comments, Mike? What did you make of Reese Hoskins' uh, exception to the Phillies being overlooked? Do you agree with him? I, 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 of course, I agree with him. But they, as you, I also agree with you that it's justified. So, yeah, I mean, he's right. They are being overlooked. They're being overlooked in the playoff picture, and you know, the odds to win the pennant because they're, frankly, they're pretty slim. Right. Um, but I'm looking at the bigger picture with Hoskins, and it's I, I kind of like that he's. I think he recognizes that this team doesn't have like a voice. This team doesn't have like a vocal leader, and I think he's kind of finding value of like, hey, if I put on a good face, be a good be a good speaker for this team, that kind of like boosts my clubhouse value a little bit. And I think he's a good guy for it. He seems like a very he's got a little bit of personality to him. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I think he's a likable guy. Um, but you know, as Kevin Franzen said there, I think he's right. You know, stop talking about it and yeah. be about it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Open lines here to start the show. Do you think the Phillies are going to go back to the playoffs this year? And do you agree with Reese Hoskins that they are being overlooked? And really by saying overlooked, he's saying they're being disrespected. So you do you believe that the Phillies are being overlooked this year in terms of being contenders in the National League? Uh, so if you want to get on either of those topics, you're welcome to. When we get back, um, I have a social media gripe for you. Um, 
Mike brought up a certain Hollywood. I have a story that I got to tell off a tweet. I got to just mention this tweet that can, has to be made up, has to be made up. Uh, so we'll get to that. And also, I need to address the Flyers here because they had one of the most humiliating losses I've ever seen on Wednesday night. Caught some of it, watched the first period, and I'm not going to lie, after the first period, I'm like, enough of this. I'm looking through, I saw Creed was on. It was the final hour of Creed with the fight scene. Uh, so I, I, I flipped that on because I, I did not want to watch any more of the Flyers. By the way, hilarious, it is always hilarious to me in Creed that Max Kellerman is, is in that movie as the, as the ringside broadcaster. Um, but uh, we will get to the Flyers when we get back and do a little side topic off them. That's coming up next. Uh, and we'll start doing some over-unders for Philly season. Um, Mike uh, has compiled a list of over-unders um, that we're going to keep track of, right, Mike? You're going to take note and we'll uh, keep them in your, um, in your locker, you said? Yep, I'll keep them there and, and we'll, we'll check re- on them in six months. In six months. Sounds good. So we'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Talking Phillies on opening day. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Give me your record, bold predictions. Will this team go to the playoffs? That's really the only question that matters. Do you think the Phillies are a playoff team in 2021? Will they break the 10-year, decade-long postseason drought? Uh, So, uh, discussing that. Also, Reese Hoskins comments the Phillies are being overlooked. Do you agree? I don't agree. Um... I think this is a team that is being overlooked. If they are being overlooked, it's for good reason. So I guess in that way, you know, you're not really being overlooked. You haven't proven anything. You've underachieved the last two years. You personally have underachieved the last two years. The team has underachieved the last two years. So no, you're not being overlooked. Prove it on the field. And that's what the Phillies need to do this year. So uh, talking about that, Harold, we will get you in in a second. But i got to give my social media gripe of the day real quick. Um, and my social media gripe of the day is uh, when people will, will tweet out, uh, this is now a blank Stan account. Like, And I've just talked about Stan in the past, but that like merges two of my favorite gripes. Like, um, you know, I'm a blank Stan, and then referring to your Twitter as an, as an account. Like, you know, I saw somebody tweet out the other day, this is now a Dawn Staley Stan account. Okay. So, but I like, what do you think of that gripe? Like, I like, so people referring, this is just like, uh, you know, their account is now dedicated just to being a Stan of a certain someone. Yeah. I I like this gripe because it kind of, it reminds us that like you do every once in a while acknowledge music. So that's kind of cool. But to, um... Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's pretty weird. Like, just just tweet about them a lot. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, it's pretty, like, we figured out, like, which account is a Pavetta Stan account. It's right. pretty clear. Right, we don't right, need right. that clarified for us. Exactly. And I have another gripe later on um, that is uh, specific to opening day, which we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to a little later on. But I do need to, real quick, and Mike, I, I wanted to specifically mention this, this tweet because I, I figured that you'd think it was the, 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 kind of funny. This, this story cannot be true. Um, and we don't talk politics on this show. And I'll just say right now, I don't know who this man is. I don't know what, if he, you know, I guess he's a politician. I don't even know. 
But um, the guy's name's Greg Kelly. Uh, do you know who this guy is? No. I don't know. Well, anyway, Chris Long had quote tweeted him because, uh, you know, marijuana legalization right now is like a big topic because I guess it was, is it being legalized in Jersey and New York or something? Already was in Jersey and then just recently in New York. Okay. Well, I just want to know, Mike, do you think this story is true? Um, this guy tweets out, uh, smoking weed, all in capital letters, and then in parentheses, AKA grass is not in capital letters, a good idea. I've tried it, uh, in parentheses back in the day. And it was worse in all capital letters than anything that happened to Hunter Biden. I don't know what that's about. Uh, I quote unquote, toked up with some buddies in Kentucky and woke up four days later in Nairobi, Kenya, with no idea what happened, in all capital letters, don't do drugs. And Chris Long quote tweeted that, Greg, I will have you on my podcast anytime to tell that story. There's no way that story's true, right? (laughs) This guy's just making stuff up because he's, and not to get political or anything like that. I just, that, that, that can't be, that can't be true. I don't know what, I don't know what, and you know, I, I don't know much about, about marijuana, of course, but you know, I don't know what strain of marijuana could, could, um, you know, uh, make you have that kind of reaction. You wake up in Kenya four days later after hanging out in Kentucky. What do you think? Did he have like one joint and then that was, and then everything happened after like, like, was this a steady thing? Like what? what I don't know. Like I told you, Mike, I don't know really anything about marijuana. I don't know. I'd never even seen it. Uh, but you've seen it? Uh, th- no, of course not. Maybe um, you've seen it, you just didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, but like, they're, like th- there's no way this is true, right? Like This no, guy's got to no be just true. making this up. There's no way it's true. So that's just like a, an additional gripe. I just needed your perspective um, because there, there's just, I mean, what a, what a ridiculous tweet. And, and, you know, if you're anti that stance, fine. But, I mean, I don't think you're doing yourself any, any favors when you're making up a story that's clearly false so i don't know i just wow. thought that was a funny i just thought that was the most it was the most ridiculous tweet i've ever seen are you looking at the tweet now i'll just i'm reading yeah. this guy's wikipedia i'm just checking okay. this guy out yeah. all right all right is a guy we should probably not take too seriously i'm assuming no. i don't know no no yeah but uh just uh we like to mention funny tweets i thought that was a pretty funny tweet 215-592-9494 if you want to get in uh, in a minute, I do need to address the Flyers because what a humiliating performance by them on Wednesday night, the latest in a long line of embarrassing performances. Firstly, let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hey, uh, great show. Thanks. Um, Reese Hopkins is pathetic. Wow. Anytime you worry about people overlooking you, that means you're going to lose. Great people, great team don't worry about being overlooked. They do it on the field. Then, then talk stuff. The team's not going anywhere as long as you got people that think like that. What you think? Well, no, I agree with you, Harold, in terms of, like, what does Reese Hoskins expect? Like, you've come out the last two years. Like, you, the eight teams made the playoffs in the National League last year. You didn't – you weren't one of them. Like, you underachieved massively. Why would anybody be looking at this team – as a true contender, they haven't proven it on the field. They've underachieved, really, I mean, three years in a row now, definitely the last two. I don't know what Reese Hoskins is expecting, 
and you know, I don't know why this team or anybody on this team would be coming out saying saying anything about it. He's weak, and I feel sorry. I mean, he should not have made a statement like that. That's the equivalent of the Cleveland Browns saying they've been overlooking us for 15 years. I mean, it's pathetic, and like he should. I mean, I mean, it's sad. They're not going anywhere. If you have two or three people that think they're being overlooked, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, no, no, I agree, Harold. And it's like, why are you, why are you talking about it? Why are you um, worried? Why, why are you even worried about what the what the quote unquote experts are saying? I mean, go out on the field, you know, play the season out, win enough games, and prove them wrong, and that's how you're going to shut them up. Like coming out and saying you're being overlooked to start the season doesn't do anything, especially when you have have failed miserably the last two years. So I agree with you. Um, I predict that they're not going anywhere if you got people, two or three people on the team that think like that. Uh, could I digress for a second? Sure. I don't I don't know what that means, but I know it fit in. I watched some film today of uh, Jalen Waddle, and he changed my mind. Take him. You like Jalen Waddle? Well, he is supposed to be the more explosive player. Who do you want before, Harold? Uh, I wanted a de- defensive player, but after watching him, he hmm. blew my mind. The pro he day got you, DJ. Okay, all right. Well, well I'll. Uh, I appreciate that perspective, Harold. Thanks for the call, and we'll get to to that later on because the, the people are raving about pro days, and you know the uh, the pro days specifically of Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, and uh, we'll get to that a little later on in the three o'clock hour. But I mean, I'd be fine with, with Jalen Waddle. And I think he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be available to the Eagles at number, at number 12 here, you know, whether it be Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, Patrick Sertan, JC Horn, they are the four guys uh, that I personally would like. They're the four guys that, that I would like to see the Eagles um, target wide receiver and cornerbacks. Absolutely. Two positions of need. And uh, there are two spots I'd absolutely look for them to address, uh, especially uh, those players who I think at, at six would have been reaches, but at 12 uh, would be pretty pretty good value. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Open lines, 215-592-9494. And I did want to address the Flyers real quick here as they lose uh, to the Sabres 6-1 to one on... Wednesday night, and just an embarrassing performance. I mean, they really should have lost both these games in Buffalo. These two games that we had discussed and talked about as an opportunity for the Flyers to turn their seasons around, to turn their season around, rather. To have this chance to go play a struggling team, I mean, not even a struggling team, a god-awful team. And Trail 3-0 in the first game of this back-to-back. And lose 6-1 in game two of the back-to-back. It's just a completely pathetic and embarrassing performance from a team who has been humiliating this year. I mean, let's face it. It's been a pathetic performance from the Philadelphia Flyers this season. And now they are in a position where... 
they lose the they lose this game to Buffalo. Buffalo breaks the 17 game losing streak. They are being criticized and you know the center of attention for the whole Shane Goss despair debacle. Another um a, a situation where they end up putting him on waivers, a guy who at once at one time was being talked about as a centerpiece of this team. And now you put him on waivers. The goalie's a mess. The season is spiraling out of control. And as I've mentioned many times, I am not by any means a a hockey expert, nor do I claim to be. But it's clear that this team has totally quit. It's clear that they have completely given up. And that they honestly have no fight left in them. Like we were talking about before I came on, Mike and I, that even in games where they're getting blown out, they're not showing any fight at the end of these games. There's a shot at the end of this game of Claude Giroux Giroux over on the bench. There's no fight. There's no, there's no anger. There's just apathy in that locker room right now. And I know Elaine Vigneault was being lauded for uh, the things that he did last season turning this team around, getting them to go on that run where they were probably the best team in hockey before the league shut down. They had the impressive performance to close out the regular season, those three seeding games in the bubble. They go to the second round of the playoffs, take the Islanders to seven games, and it looked like that was a jumping-off point as something that was going to be a decent run for this team. And instead... It is all falling apart in just one year. And I don't know what else you can do except fire the coach at this point. Like, really, what else can you do when your team has lost all fight? Because as much as we crush the Eagles of 2020 and Doug Peterson, the one thing you can't tell me that is that that team stopped playing hard. Like, they didn't. I mean, even the final four games, when they were pretty much out of it, they never stopped playing hard. He never lost the locker room. You know, even last season with the Phillies and and the struggles they had, they didn't stop playing hard. This is a Flyers team that's completely quit. And I might not be an expert in the strategical, you know, um, aspects of, of hockey altogether, but I know when a team is not giving effort. And I know when a team is not fighting. And when a team is not playing for them for each other or playing for their coach. Elaine Vigneault needs to be fired. That organization needs to figure out what the hell has gone wrong over the last year that has seemingly ruined their goaltender. They seem like they have lost all their fight. And honestly, I I I I'd fire the coach and blow it up because I'll tell you what 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 you see with this team, with that core, those core players, those veterans, they are not inspiring any kind of fight. They are not inspiring their teammates, the young guys, um, to fight back in the face of adversity. This has been going on for over a month now, and that loss on Wednesday night was an absolute disgrace. To lose 6-1 to to that team that is not an NHL team, they're not even an AHL team. For the Flyers to lose that game is a disgrace. And off that, I wanted to throw out a little topic tonight. 
most embarrassing Philadelphia sports losses in the history of this city. Single losses that you found to be incredibly embarrassing. Because the Flyers just had one on Wednesday night. Yeah, I know it's just a regular season game, but to lose that way to that team, that was humiliating. So if you want to get in on that, you're welcome to as well. Also, uh, talking about the Phillies and whether you expect them to go to the postseason or not this season, uh, will they break the 10-year playoff drought? Uh, Discussing that as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we return, we will get started with these over-unders. I forgot to do it there. We will do the over-unders for both Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins this year. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning, Phillies opening day. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Discussing the Phillies and the big question, will they be a playoff team in 2021? I think they are going to be dramatically improved. I think this is a team that the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen can't be any worse, literally can't be any worse. It's going to be much better. Um, the lineup will keep you in a lot of ball games. I mean, this is a team that lineup wise is strong one through eight. Well, one through seven, uh, barring the center field situation. But a team that will keep you in a lot of ball games. Starting rotation that at least is somewhat filled out with Nola and Wheeler. You have confidence in them. Eflin really is the X factor who I think could could take a, a big time step. And and as Mike said earlier, if if he's Legit, he could be a number two. Um, and then if you get some s- just solid performances from Matt Moore and Chase Anderson, which the, the Phillies have not gotten solid efforts from their four and five stars the last couple of years, this could be a team that competes. And I think they will compete and contend. But I do not think they are a playoff team. I think this is an 85-win team that will fall short. Um, and I wish I could predict them to go to the postseason. Just do not see it happening. So discussing that, also Reese Hoskins' comments that the Phillies are being overlooked. I don't know why he has to say that. I don't know what the upside is. And honestly, based on the way you performed and the way you've honestly, as a team, underachieved the last couple of years, I disagree. I disagree they're being overlooked. Um, this is a team that has a lot to prove and a team that honestly does not deserve that level of respect, considering how drastically they have underachieved the last couple of years. Also, throwing the Flyers, uh, do you believe Elaine Vigneault needs to be fired at this point? I mean, this is the low point. I mean, you lose 6-1 to one to the, the Buffalo Sabres, team that lost 17 in a row, it's a disgrace. He needs to be fired. And I don't care what he did last year, this year has been a complete embarrassment, and that was one of the most disgraceful losses in Philadelphia sports history. So I'm also asking for other embarrassing losses in Philadelphia sports history. 
I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Do you have one? Mike, we're going to do some over-unders in a second. Mike in Delaware, hang there. We'll get you in a minute. But uh, do you have an embarrassing loss, Mike? Or you, you... I feel like this came up recently, but the 42 nothing loss when they were trying to honor Reggie White. Yeah, it's good. Did, did we do this 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 topic recently? Did we do it after the... I don't believe I did. The 9 nothing one? I th- Man, this would be pretty bad if I'm doing the same topic I did a couple weeks ago. I, I If I did, I forgot about it. Some of that came up, though, though. Yeah, it was something... Uh, I think it was a different topic. Okay. But it may, maybe maybe I'm wrong. If, uh, <laughs> if, 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 if it is the same topic, let us know, and I'll, I'll, I'll kill it, and we won't do that tonight. But, but um, you know, I, I've babied him. You know, the mind is not working. But I don't remember shit. either. No, so I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't. Hey, maybe that guy was right about ending up in, in uh, where was it? Nigeria or wherever he ended up. You know, is that why you're having trouble remembering, Mike? Are you, uh, you know, <laughs> partaking in, in what he was partaking in? Uh, no, I, just the medicine, actually. Okay. Well, uh, in a minute, we will uh, get to some comments. Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi. Named a closer. Um, but first, we got to do some over-unders and do our NL Central uh, predictions here. So, um, first, some over-unders for the Phillies. And when you look at it, we'll do the over-unders for Bryce Harper to start off here. Bryce Harper, um, you gave me this sheet, Mike. Where are these uh, lines courtesy of, by the way? Uh, courtesy of Rob Ellis, courtesy oh. of uh, bet, betting... And uh, I don't like Bet MGM or whatever. One of the sites. One of the sites. All right. Credit to Rob Bells. Okay. Um, so Bryce Harper's batting average in twelve in twenty twenty one. The over under is two sixty two for Bryce. Where are you going with this one, Mike? Over. I'm going over as well. I don't really like the reason why I feel it's a good over though. I think he he's too he's too concerned about striking out too much that he's gonna like going to compromise some of his game to, to worry about that. He's going to do the stupid thing where he bunts down the third base line just to get on first base and, you know, well, you know, his, his last two full like 162 game seasons where he obviously didn't play 162 but played a lot of these games mm-hmm. were both came in under. Last year he came in at 268, but of course that was only in 58 games last year. I didn't realize Bryce appeared in, in 58 out of 60 games. I felt like he missed a, a week or two last year. Completely. Well, how many did he take himself out of, though? Yeah, but I, I I thought he missed games altogether, but I guess he did DH a lot. Um, but yeah, 260 in 2019, 249 in 2018. So, uh, you know, the numbers would actually tell you under there, but I'm going to agree with you. I think he's going to go over. I would see Bryce somewhere between 265, 270. That, that's kind of where I peg him at this year. So we both have over on Bryce 262. Okay. Total home runs in the 2021 regular season. Uh, you let off that one. So I'll lead off this one. The over-under is at 36.5. I will go under. Yeah, I'm going under as well because I think they're going to be more strategic with his days off, and I think he'll play like 150, 152. And he's only hit more than 36 homers one time, yeah. and that was his MVP year of, uh, of, of 2015 when he hit 42. So um, I will go with the under on that. Um, total RBIs for Bryce Harper this season. Uh, Over-under set at 103.5. Where are you going here, Mike? Under for the same reason. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over on the one hundred three and a half. I think Bryce will go over 
103 and a half RBI. So that's a good little hedge for you for uh, the home runs. Yeah. Um, so it, does that not make sense? You think to go over on RBIs and under on home runs? No, I think it's possible if he hits like you know 45 doubles, sack flies, there. sack flies. You know, yeah, you can do that. I think the Phillies too are going to have games where they put up like 12, 13 runs. Maybe not that many, but like eight or nine. And there's a guy who has like four RBI, five RBI here and there. Yeah, so he can get them in bunches. Yeah, I could see that. And then uh, let's do the Reese Hoskins ones as well. Reese Hoskins total home runs. Um, is set at 32. I'll lead off here, and, I mean, uh, maybe I'm overlooking him, but I haven't seen enough from Reese. I'm going to go the under on 32. It's a really good number. I'm going to go under. I think he's like a 30 home run guy, like just right around 30. You know, all the walks he gets and how, you know, he's not always looking to hit a home run. Well, yeah, I mean, his only two full seasons, uh, he had 34 in 153 games in 18 and 29 in 2019. And, you know what? That kind of makes me think over because remember how awful he was for those two months in, in yeah. 2019. He still managed to hit 29. So, uh, all right. So you you went over there, you said? No, I went just under. Okay, you went under. So we both go under on that. Then RBIs in 2021, um, that is set at 91 and a half. Uh, your turn to go first, I believe. I'm going under again. On 91 and a half, I will uh, also go under. Because I think the games JT Romuto does not catch, Hoskins is hitting second. Okay. So you do not believe Hoskins is going to be hitting second to start the year? It seemed like once Romuto got healthy in the end there, he was hitting second a lot. Or, you know what, it's possible that Girardi wanted to kind of get him a little bit more at-bats. Well, so, But he was hitting second. Yeah. Well, a little later on, we'll both give our lineup for, for later today. Okay. And we'll both uh, project what the lineup um, is going to be for later today. And uh, real quick, um, let's do uh, our, our predictions for the NL South here. Or the, N- the NL Central. Sorry, the NL South does not exist. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give mine first. Uh, fifth place, I have the Pirates. Pirates going to be the worst team in baseball this year? They're going to be pretty bad. I think they? they're over-under like 58. Yeah, they're, they're going to be awful. So I have them fifth. I have the Reds fourth. Uh, kind of... Still can't believe. I, I just realized today the Reds went to the playoffs last year. You know, I kind of forgot that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because I felt like th- – I just feel like they're always a, a disappointing team um, with disappointing seasons. But they did go to the playoffs last year and lost to the Braves. So uh, I have the Reds in fourth place. I have the Cubs coming in third. Uh, and a lot of the reason I just hate on the Cubs this year is I just – I am going to root against Jake Arrieta every chance I get. What a what what a bum he is, and I do not want Jake Arrieta to have any level of success in Chicago. So I go with them third, and honestly, I don't, skull. I don't think they're as good as the other teams either. I'm going to go Milwaukee second. Milwaukee let me down last year. I had, do you remember I picked Milwaukee to win the National League last year? Oh my God, you did! Yeah. I was so focused on your Diamondbacks pick, I totally. I was, overlooked that one. I was very high on the Brew Crew and the D-backs, and they both let me down big time. Um, so I will go with the Brewers second, and in first place, I will go with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I like their roster. Their pitching staff scares me a little bit, but I like their lineup, and I think they really solidified that with uh, the Arnado trade. Yeah, um, it's kind of cool how they they – they're not homegrown, but they have two franchise cornerstones now with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Right. That just kind of plucked from the National League. Uh, I have the Pirates in fifth, pretty obvious. The Reds in fourth, agree with you there. 
just flip second, third. I think the Brewers are just have a little bit less than the Cubs. I think the Cubs still have a Cubs. I think there's a lot. A lot of those guys are going to come in motivated and angry this year. Angry, hungry, or motivated, um, depending on Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. How you look at them and their, uh, you know, then, situations. Now, what happened with the? What is their? Are, are Baez and Bryant both in contract years now? In Rizzo. Oh wow! Yeah, I, so now is do you think there's a risk of if the Cubs aren't having a good first half of the year? Do you think they just become? You think Ricketts just becomes a big time seller at the deadline here, and they just kind of sell some of these pieces off and look to rebuild? I mean, uh, if they're not if they're not gonna gonna end up paying these guys, you know, they could just look to kind of blow it up. You get value for for at least you know I think Bryant and Baez certainly. Right, and then you know Contreras a year later. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, but I, I think those guys like, well, Brian's probably out the door. But I think like Baez has a real chance to get like one of those like mega contracts from them. He just, I don't know if I see it the same way they do, but they seem to like really like him as like a franchise guy. Now, what if uh, you know Cardinals first, by the way? What if Brian? And let me throw this idea by. What if Brian's having a great year? Reese is having a solid year coming close to the deadline. What do you think of Dombrowski building a package around Reese to send to Chicago for Bryant if the Phillies were going to, you know, give him a contract uh, long term? Would you be interested in that? Put Bryant at first or Boehm at first, rather. How close is Hoskins a free agency? He's like two or three years away and he's a Boris guy. Yeah. So but- I, I think I think Hoskins is just destined for the American League in a couple of years. OK, but what if but? You don't think the Cubs would maybe consider that Hoskins and some problem? Well, the Phillies don't really have prospects. That's the biggest problem. <laughs> so, yeah. But maybe a way for the Cubs to trade Bryant and stay in contention. You know, just throw him. But, but he can't play third base, so they'd have to figure that out. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd put him in left field. Okay. All right. Well, uh, and so you have who winning that division? You have the Cubs the winning? St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. Who, and who do you have second? I'm sorry. The Cubs. Okay. The Cubs. And where do you have the Brew Crew again? Third. Okay. Sorry. I I, I kind of zoned I out. Reds for fourth too. Okay. There you go. Thank you for uh, uh for for going through that again uh for me. Two one. Because I don't have any like interesting or fun props for this division. I think it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Sounds good. Uh two one five five nine two nine four nine four two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, we got open lines. I'd love to hear from you on opening day. If not, we'll just continue talking baseball here. I'm having a good time uh, talking baseball on opening day. Uh, will the Phillies make the playoffs? Reese Hoskins' comments on being overlooked, just a couple things we're talking about. When we get back, we will go through the over-unders for Alec Bohm and Gene Segura. That's coming up next. And also, Joe Girardi names his closer on Wednesday, we will let you know who that is, and I'll just give you a hint. This is a roller coaster that we have been on before, so we'll uh, get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on opening day morning. If you want to get in 215-592-9494, 
remember, you can hear uh, the Phillies all season long and today, obviously, on WIP. Uh, game at 3 o'clock today. Um, 2 o'clock, I guess, Mark some Reese will have leading off. Um, and then Rob Brooks with Phillies on deck. So uh, stay tuned for uh, all of that. I'm, I, I like doing leading off some final outs. I'm excited to do to do those this year. Those are fun fun little shifts to do, those little you know, half hour leading off final outs. I enjoy those. I enjoy uh, listening to leading off. I like when oh, I get thank to find you. out what's on the menu. Thank you. I, I mean, honestly, they're, they're pretty easy shows to do. Um, and they're fun shows. You know, you just talk baseball and, you know, I, I, I talk to uh, Bob and Pottsgrove. Bob and Pot, Bob and Pot, lower and Lower Pottsgrove. Pottsgrove. Yeah, sorry. Get it right, Mike. Don't be disrespectful. Pottstown, Lower Pottsgrove. Yeah, don't Pottsgrove. be disrespectful to Bob. Uh, I, and Bob only calls leading off, too, which is great. Mm-hmm. But he is a tremendous leading off caller. And if Bob's listening now, um, then, you know, uh, I don't know if I even, would even want Bob to call. Because his, his notes together for right later, but I'm looking forward to hearing Bob's calls uh, on uh, on leading off this year. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Also talking about most embarrassing losses in Philadelphia sports history because the Flyers had just a humiliating performance. I mean, it just it's a joke, and they need to fire this coach. And I I just I'm the Claude Giroux people. Like I'm I'm just done with it. I'm done with it. And I know hockey's a team sport. It's not just one guy. But if you're the captain, and captain's such a big deal in hockey, uh, you know, for your team just is a bunch of dogs and they just quit, and that's clearly what's happened to this team. Um, I just don't know how that can be defended. Uh, so discussing that as well, in a minute we'll get to Joe Girardi's comments. And talk about Joe Girardi this year. Because of all the people in this organization who there's pressure on this year, there should be a lot of pressure on Joe Girardi um, because I don't think he performed very well in his first season as Philly's manager. So uh, we'll get to him in a second. First, let's go to Kyle and Mays Landing. What's up, Kyle? What's up, man? How's it going? Not bad. Um, I just wanted to give you an embarrassing loss. Sure. Um, what do you think about the uh, 27 or 2017 Eagles last game of the season at Dallas Cowboys? 6 nothing loss. Going into the playoffs as number one seed, they weren't they weren't playing anybody though, Kyle. They didn't care about that game. I don't know if that meets our criteria criteria here. Uh it was um I don't know. It was, I thought it was a uh, uh, you know us getting to look at what Foles was going to be in the playoffs. I didn't think it was just a throwaway game. Yeah, but Foles. I mean, she struggled, and then he was fine in the playoffs, though. You know. Yeah, I mean. I, I understand that, yeah. but I, I still I still thought it was a, you know, it, it was a, you know, division rival. You always play your hardest against a division rival. It was, you know, the game didn't mean anything, but it, you know. Yeah. No, I get it. No, it, I, it, I, I, nothing. Not scoring any points. You know, Nick Foles kind of you know taking over in his third game against a division rival. It was. I thought it was a tough loss. Yeah, I get it. No, I, I get it, Kyle, and I appreciate the call. I don't know. I, I'm. What do you think, Mike? I don't really agree with that one. I, I and you don't always play hard against your division rivals. I mean, the Eagles showed that last year. Well, they did play hard, but they did not play to win, which was the right the right move. So I don't know. Well, I, the center didn't play hard, but everyone else did. Yeah. What? Stop hating on Jason Kelsey. I don't know what your deal is. You. Well, I just don't lecture us about tanking and go out and tank. Like, it's just come on. You have certain guys that you just can't stand. You're 
No, I respect Kelsey. You it's really not, have it not... in for JJ Reddick these days. Well, he's yeah. just a, he's just a fool. Yeah, you're 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 ranting to me all day via text. All then day, when, all then day, when I come yeah. in about all oh JJ Reddick, we got to play this JJ Reddick sound. What a crybaby! Yeah, I mean he is a crybaby. I mean him crying about getting traded to Dallas was was pretty pathetic. Yeah, I mean I I was having a, a nice nap with uh, TV on in the background, and then I woke up and the jump was roasting JJ Reddick. I was like, what did JJ Reddick do? And then when they played the comments, it's like. Come on, JJ. You nap with the TV in the background, huh? You're one of you're you're one of those guys. Well, I because I I kind of feel like I miss out on everything that happens in a day. It's just nice for like if stuff happens. Yeah, I kind of I go through periods in my life where sometimes I will be a guy who will sleep with the TV on. Other times I will be a guy that will sleep with the TV off. I am I've gone back to being a person who does not sleep with any noise. Yeah, if I don't have the TV on, I'll have like. Of like the radio on or a, a podcast or something. On. I can't do that anymore. I'm I'm just a I'm just a soothing fan guy now. I just need the sound of a fan, and um, and these days a, a crying crying baby. But other than that, um, I, I I'm not a big fan of of sound when I sleep. Um, but uh, let's do some over unders real quick before we go. Um, back to uh some Joe Girardi sound here. Uh, Alec Bohm, who is honestly one of the most interesting players this season, and you know probably the one I'm most excited to watch play this year. Uh, his over under for batting average this season is 283. Um, who went first last time? Did you go first or did I go first? Uh, I'll go first yeah. this time. How about that? Um, 283 for Alec Bohm. I will take I'll take the under on 283. 283 for a guy in his second year. That's a high batting average. Hit 317 last year, but only it's in 48 plate appearances, so not much of a sample size. I will go under on 283 on Alec Bohm. Yeah, I mean, but if you look at his whole season where he played 44 games, he hit 338. Oh, well, that's spring so training. I'm going over. Uh I, I think the, the oh, wow. I think the guy's legit. I I think he will have a little bit of a sophomore slump at, at times I guess but I, he's just he's such a good pure hitter I think lefties tough righties hold you know hold I think he'll rack up hits right, well I st- I was looking at the wrong numbers but I'll stick to my uh, prediction <laughs> um home runs in 2021 uh the over under for Alec Bohm is at 22 and a half what are you going here I think under I'll take the under as well only hit four last year um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with the under on Alec Bohm there. RBIs for Alec Bohm. Uh, the over under is set at 79 and a half. I'll take the over on 79 and a half. I think he clears that relatively easily. I don't think it'll be easily. I think he'll get to like 88. So I'll go over. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he'll just, he was clutch last year too. He can hit, he doesn't mind, uh, the pressure of running runners in scoring position. Right. Yeah. No, no, he was, he was good in that, in that area last year. So you said over, right? Uh, yeah, I went over as well. Um, so, uh, Gene Segura, we'll do one for Gene Segura here. Gene Segura's batting average in 2021 over under is set at 283. I will take the under. I think he's going to come pretty well under that. I would see Segura somewhere in the two sixties this year. Yeah. Gene Segura last three years, 304, 280, 266. So, yeah. you know, bad decline. Uh, yeah, I think under. He'll be in the mid-270s, I think. Yeah, so those are the over-unders for uh, Bowman Segura. Uh, we'll continue doing this throughout the night. It's been pretty fun uh, to look at this for uh, some of the 
performances of the Phillies this season. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Open lines right now, 215-592-9494. But discussing the Phillies here, and, uh, you know, one of the big questions this year uh, is going to be the improvement of the bullpen. And, you know, you look at last season, and the bullpen was just horrendous. I mean, it was it was the worst I have ever seen. And that's not an exaggeration. It was maybe the worst, like, unit of any team that I have seen in regards to how pathetically awful they were. I mean, when you look at uh, Workman and Hembry and Phelps and all of these guys and how terrible they were. Not being able to lock down games. I mean, speaking of embarrassing losses, like, which was the most embarrassing Phillies loss last year? Was it the game two of the doubleheader in, in Toronto or Buffalo, rather? That was pretty bad. Um, I, I think it was actually, and I, it's funny, we were just talking about doing leading off. I actually did leading off this night. The night of the uh, Orioles game, the botched pop-up on the infield, yeah, 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 that yeah. was awful. Oh, yeah, I, I, did, I remember I was driving somewhere, and I did hear you do leading off. I was night. doing leading off, and then the, the following day I was on with uh, with Joe DeCamera. That was your, the day yeah. of your rant, right? Yeah, uh, no, my rant was later on when they lost oh, to uh, right. the Nationals. Yeah, because they had workmen at that point. Right. Yeah, the, the, the Blue Jays' loss last year was really bad because it caused them to freak out so badly that they decided to trade a prospect for uh, Workman and, and Hembry. Right. It was it was just terrible, and you could you know we're talking about embarrassing losses off the Flyers' loss last night. You could do an entire topic on just what was the Phillies' most embarrassing loss in 2020, and they only played a 60 game season, but there were plenty in there. Um, but you look at the bullpen this year, and you know the question coming in was who is going to start the year as the closer, and Joe Girardi. Um, divulged that information, announced his closer on Wednesday. Uh, here was Joe on who he's going to start the season with closing out the games. No, I really like the way that – I mean, I like the way all three of them um, threw the ball. Um, when you look at at uh, Archie, Archie's kind of a guy. I will close with Hector. Um, I will kind of use uh, Bradley and Alvarado as setup guys, and I think when you look at some of like – Brogdon and Kinsler and Coonrod, we can use those guys at any time, um, and they could fill in if one guy wasn't available. I think Kinsler's a guy that's done it all, so you know I'm comfortable with that. Using David Hale more as um, you know multiple inning guy, and Vinny is a multiple inning guy. So Hector Neris is the close of the season. I mean, we've been. Uh through with Hector before, but Hector Naris gets the call. Here's Joe Girardi on why he ultimately decided on Hector being the guy. Yeah, I really like the way that, I mean, I like the way all three of them um, threw the ball. Um, when you look at, at uh, Archie, Archie's kind of a guy that you can ask to give you multiple innings in a sense, more than three outs um, on occasions uh, because he's comfortable doing his willingness to pitch at any time. Alvarado's that lefty I can deploy against the lefties where they are in the lineup. And, you know, Hector's closed um, and he's closed here. And I like the way, you know, for the most part, I thought he, you know, after a little slow start last year, I thought he threw the ball pretty well. 
and I like the way he threw the ball this spring. I mean, I, I'm i fine with liking the way Hector Neris has, has thrown the ball, but we've seen this before, and Hector Neris has had an inability to hold this job for very long. Like, he has been placed in this role many times, and every single time he is removed eventually. Now, a lot of that uh, is looked at, and, and you know, the conclusion is reached that, that Hector ultimately has not been able to hold that job because of his predictability and being a two-pitch pitcher, guy that's really a fastball, splitter, pitcher, and that's it. And he's been working on the slider. He's Joe Girardi on Hector and the evolution of his slider as a third pitch. Well, I think with the development of it uh, this spring, I definitely think he will use it. How much of a difference will that make? I think it can make a big difference um, because it just gives him another weapon and I, you know, I think any time that you're a two-pitch pitcher, your your pitches have to be really, really elite. And and Hector's got an elite split, and he has the ability to pitch up. But they got a 50-50 chance of guessing right, right? So now it changes their their chances. Well, the slider better be good. Like that's the thing. Like he can throw it, but it better be effective. Because if it's not effective, you know what Hector's going to do. He's going to go back to throwing the split. And throwing the fastball, and if the split's not on, this has always been the problem with Hector Neris. If his splitter is not on that day, he can't get outs because the splitter either hangs and guys crush it, or they know a fastball's coming and they crush it. So this slider better be an effective pitch. Like it's not enough just to you know have a third pitch that you throw up there once in a while, unless it's it's something that is going to make hitters think twice and um. It better be that. And, you know, you look at that in addition to the rest of the bullpen. Because the Phillies have made a bunch of additions in that area. But are they going to be good enough? Here's Joe Girardi on whether he's worried uh, about the bullpen issues reappearing this season. No, um, I didn't. I, I What I wanted to do was I, I wanted to look at, at the makeup of our bullpen and, and what it was and put it together. Hector's been a successful closer. Archie's been a successful closer. I know Alvarado could close. Kinsler's been a successful closer. I know they can all do it. Um, but again, I, I just decided to go with Hector. Uh, he's done it. He's done it in this town, and I like the way he's throwing the baseball. That's another thing, and, and Paul, we'll get to you in one second here, but Joe Girardi just rattles off a list of well, you know, Bradley can close, and Alvarado can close, and Kinsler can close, Coomrod and 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 uh, Brogdon, all these guys can close. Well, then, what is the problem with doing that? I've never, I don't understand this. Um, again, and I don't know how many times I got to say I'm not here to be a Gabe Kapler defender, but one thing that Gabe did that I agreed with was you don't need the, the dumbest. It's just like naming a captain in hockey, which is useless. No, Why? That's, that's a bad... No. Well, whatever, whatever, whatever. You don't need to name a closer. Like, what is the point? Like, you do it based on matchups a certain night. So, say you go through a game, and you don't need Alvarado, you know, in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. You don't need him for those lefty-lefty matchups. Say you got three lefties coming up in the ninth inning. Are you just going to throw Hector out there because he's the closer? You know, why can't you just go to Alvarado in that spot? If there are hitters, I mean, Hector's the closer. I mean, I guess he's got to close. Like, why can't you just, based on the matchups, based on what the numbers tell you, you know, a certain guy you think is 
going to have better success against Hector. And you don't think we'll have the same level of success against Bradley. Why can't you use Bradley one night, Hector another night? Like, I think... I suspect he will do that. The idea... Well, I mean, I'm just going by what he's saying, Mike. But what he, he's he saying is Hector's the closer. Because I think people... For some reason, this town freaks out if they're not... If they don't know what the closer depth but, chart looks but like. But that's the point. That's exactly my point. <laughs> is that... The idea of these guys need to have exact roles and defined roles is idiotic. It's just not reality. Like, look at the good teams. Look at what the good teams... Tampa Bay. They use different guys in different situations all the time. Like, and I'm... I mean, Kevin Cash made a dumb move taking Blake Snell out of that game last year. But that Mm. doesn't, you know, really have to do with the, the roles in the bullpen. Like, different guys are used in different spots. And guess what? They get if you can get outs, you can get outs. Like I don't think it matters whether uh, you know Brandon Workman closes games or you know uh, you you do it based on based on the matchups. You don't do it based on this guy's got to be the closer and he's got to close. I mean, the, the irony of what you're saying that's it's funny. like that's why Kevin Cash brought in his best pitcher to face Mookie Betts. Like that's why that. So I agree with you. I I agree with you. Like, but I do like if there's a night where. Nola goes seven strong against the Braves, and then Freddie Freeman's due up in the ninth, and Alvarado hasn't pitched it. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance for, you know, Alvarado could be using that spot. All right, well, I, I hope so, you know, because uh, because I think the idea of it is massively overrated. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Paul in Downingtown. What's up, Paul? Hey, Yank. How's it going? I wonder if a little bit of that, what you're talking about, might be locker room driven or player driven. Like baseball players are weird, man. Like they are, they are weird. You're right about. You that. think hitting would be the same, whether the 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 number you know that appears before your name on on the roster in terms of the batting order is two, three, or five. Some guys will flip their lid over that. You know, they'll they'll swear they're not the same hitter in the five hole as they are the the three hole or whatever. And and that's some weird stuff, man. So I mean, I don't know. Joe's a baseball guy. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of wonder if uh, a little bit of that is, is just some locker room stuff and he's he's going to play the matchups as he sees fit. Yeah, you Paul. Know, I, I, I do wonder that. No, I agree with you. Like, so, some baseball players are like that, but especially in this day and age, though, you know, you see the successful teams, and I think it does go hand in hand. Like, there aren't a lot of egos. Like, the, the teams like Tampa Bay and – and teams like that, like guys are moved up and down the order, moved in and out of the lineup, and, and you know, they just accept it. And I think it's a big part of what, you know, this team's got to do is, is guys just got to accept their roles, whether they're necessarily comfortable in them or not. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work in a team dynamic. I mean, we might have to establish that culture first and yeah. kind of work it backwards. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's a good point. We might not have the guys that are going to do that, and that might cause some disharmony in the locker room or in, in the team. I don't know, man. I guess I'm just saying that I guess maybe unlike you, I got a little more faith in Joe that he's doing the right thing in that locker room to keep the guys, you know, and, and I do want to be positive Paul today too, man. I mean, it's the <laughs> first day of the season. The Flyers blow. Uh, you know, there, there, there's, there isn't any part. I, I'm just trying to erase that from my memory. You know what I mean? I just want to go forward positive Paul for I, I do, for opening day. Before your positive, before your positive Paul though, Paul, uh, how bad <laughs> was that last night? I mean, that that is – I mean, to lose to a team that lost 17 in a row by five goals, I don't know if it gets worse than that. No, it doesn't, especially after the comeback. You kind of thought, okay, uh, this is the make-or-break game for both teams right. because Buffalo's going to be pissed, and the Flyers should be embarrassed. They, sh- they should be ready to, to, to capitalize on, on what just happened and, 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 and you know build on that momentum. 
Instead, I was contemplating whether or not I was going to destroy a $600 television and buy another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was hot, dude. Like, I was pissed. It was disgusting. It's the 4-1 thing. Like, that was it. Like, I, I, I knew it. Like, that was once it was 3-1, to one, I knew the next goal, that was going to decide it. You know? And I think a lot of fans felt the same way. It was disgusting, brother. I, there, there isn't another word for what's going on with that franchise. And then a year ago, I never would have thought of it. I thought they were going the right way. You know? Yeah. No, no, Paul. <laughs> after last season, everybody thought they were going the right way. And for this, I mean, this last month has been an implosion that, that nobody saw coming. Yeah. It's uh, it's just the, yeah, that's that's a great word for it. Because um, I, I, I can't remember a time I've been watching the Flyers the first season I truly remember was the season we played the Islanders for the Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. And I, so I've seen them lose the cup many times. I don't remember them winning. Although I was alive, I don't remember those games. I have the t-shirts and the pictures, but I don't remember them. Um, but I remember them losing the cup five or six times. And, you know, so it, it's a franchise that in some respects is near and dear to me. And I don't ever remember them playing so poorly over a stretch of uh, 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 such a short stretch and what's amazing to me is just how poorly the guy that we thought was our crown jewel of the franchise has played and I that's know. the thing that's most i mean we're, we're all hoping it's a sophomore i mean that's not exactly correct but it's something related to a sophomore struggle that he's just really dealing with the fact that he's a young man and he can't practice and that what we're going to see next year with a normal year normal routine and a normal practice schedule is the guy we expect. Paul, every, every game that goes by, you know, it becomes more and more reminiscent to me of the Carson Wentz situation. It really oh. does. I mean, it's yeah. it's scary. It really is. Yeah. And the only thing we can we can kind of bait those fears with is, is maybe this is related to the fact that the guy just isn't getting practice. And when you're in a slump, I mean, I, I'm sure that you played sports growing up like like most of the you know the listeners and callers have – you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at, whether you're literally or anything. The, the, the only way you're digging yourself out of the slump is hard work. And when, the, when when a lot of your ice time is taken away, you know, it's hard to dig yourself out of the slump. And that's the only thing I'm clinging to with Carter Hart is the fact that he's never been bad his entire life. Um, and, you know, he isn't given the proper tools or ice time to work his way out of the slump. Right. And, and that's what I'm hanging my hat on for next yeah. year. For him. No, I'm with you, Paul. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, Do you have an embarrassing yeah. loss for me? Yeah, and, and this, so along my lines of positivity, I'm going to try to be positive. I'm putting a spin on it. So it was an embarrassing loss in a great situation. The Sixers game two championship loss when the game was there to win in Los Angeles, and Matumbo bricked away those damn free throws that would have sealed the deal, and we wind up coming back 1-1. I'm not saying they would have won the series coming back to Philly up 2-0. That was a great team with Shaq and Kobe. We might have got Steve Rolled and lost in six. But that was an embarrassing loss because it was there to win. It was on the biggest stage, and it was right there for his brother. And Matumbo came up so small. Like, for a big guy, he came up so tiny in the stretch there. And yeah. it, it was just embarrassing. I think that's an appropriate word. You know? Yeah. No, I got it, Paul. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate positive Paul tonight. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if that one was embarrassing, painful. We talked about that series, actually, I think last week. Game three is the one that, that was more painful for me with the the game at home once Shaq fouled out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that was a tough loss, certainly. I mean, Sixers win that game, go up 2-0. Maybe they do win that series. 2-1-5, 5-9-2, 9 uh, When we get back, we'll do a couple more over-unders. We'll do JD, JT Real Muto and Didi Gregorius, their over-unders for the season. And also, 
uh, Paul and I were talking a little bit about Joe Girardi and his faith in Joe Girardi. Uh, and I want to talk about Joe when we get back because I do not believe Joe Girardi did a good job last year. And he must be better this season for all that was made when Joe Girardi was hired here. He was along with the bullpen, along with some of the other players on this roster. Joe Girardi was a disappointment as well. He's got to be better. We'll talk about the manager when we return. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. A lot coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll talk more Phillies here, um, more from Joe Girardi, and talk about uh, talk about the starter for opening day, Aaron Nolan. Mike and I also predict uh, the lineup for opening day. Um, I got to get to an NFL take on the pro days. Um, we, we got some Sixers stuff to talk about, positive Sixers news. Uh I, and I got a very interesting NBA stat um, that I want to throw out there a little later on in regards to the trade deadline. Uh, a, a, a name stat, uh, which is, uh, I think you'll find um, surprising, Mike, uh, that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little later on. Um, but we'll do some over-unders in a minute. First, I have an, a, an additional social media gripe, and this is based off opening day, that You'll get all of these on opening day if you were on Twitter, which you are not, Mike. Um, that every time on opening day, it's so annoying. Like if somebody, say Fernando Tatis, goes yard three times. Uh, Fernando Tatis is on pace for, you know, what's a 162 times three? No, yeah, the, I've seen those the, You know, yeah. 526 home runs, whatever it is. I don't think it's 526. Um, but... Uh, the the fact that everybody will tweet, um, you know, this guy's on pace uh, for however many RBIs or home runs. Like, we get it. We understand. Like, a real cool tweet, bro. If the Phillies win Thursday, are you going to do Friday morning the uh, the old good morning to Phillies fans and Phillies fans only? <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> They'll be undefeated. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to do the, uh, the, the terrible... <laughs> Uh, the terrible tweets. So, um, uh, uh, discussing uh, the Phillies, and yeah, that, that's just another social media gripe specific to opening day um, that I do not enjoy. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's do some more over unders here, Mike. Uh, so we've agreed on what are we disagreed on? Like three or four of them so far, something like that. Three, yeah. All right. Uh, home runs this year for JT Real Muto. Hashtag sign JT. Uh, now signed JT, I guess you you can say. Um, well, they have a, they have a billboard out um, above, you know, on, I guess on Packer Avenue. It says signed JT. Okay, or at least it did when they signed him. Now, now that they, there is uh, people are allowed back in the games, is the pandemic crew still going to be outside? I'm not sure. Okay, because they, it was funny they were outside when we were doing the game on Sunday. For a spring training game, they were out there. Well, and Scott so. was communicating with them through uh, the magic of radio. So I wonder if they're going to stay outside uh, during these games. Because they can't bring their air horns in. So if they want to blow their horns, they got to be know, out. Actually, I think at the end of last year, I kind of remember them being invited to the home opener. Really? Maybe. Wasn't there a controversy with Butch? 
Yeah, I'm not quite. I I thought I didn't know if Butch was part of the Fandemic crew. I thought Butch was just kind of his own. Butch is kind of his own. Butch is Butch is entity. Butch is a loner. Yeah, but Butch is a loner. So yeah, Butch is kind of his own entity. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I guess I'm not really clear on the Butch relationship with. uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but uh, over unders for JT home runs, uh, twenty three and a half. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go under. I'm unsure about JT's health. He's only broken 23 home runs one time in his career. I'll go under on that. I'm going to go under two. He's yet to uh, finish a Philly season healthy. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about that frequently. Frequently. Uh, so uh, RBIs for JT over under at 77. Where do you go there, Mike? I'm going to go over on this one, though. I think he can get it in the uh, the 80s. I'm going to go over as well. I think JT uh, is able to go over on 77. Um, I thought that would be an opportunity for us to disagree on. Yeah, no, I, I can't do it. I, I would like to, but I, I got to give you my true um, prediction here. Uh, home runs for Didi Gregorius, over under a 22 and a half. Man, that looks like a clear under. I'm going to go under there. He did it. Oh, no, I'm going to go over. I'm okay. going to go over. All right. He had 10 last year in uh, in 60 games, so yeah, he could, could, could go over. Well, he said, you know, I know Yankee Stadium, but 25, 27. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go under there. I was reading a Todd Zalecki article, and uh, I think it was just like for fun. He was he was asking like people around the clubhouse if you could have one trait from a teammate and add it to your game, what would you take? Just like a fun, th- like just a way to like kind of shout out a teammate, I guess, and kind of hmm. shine a light on that. And Didi refused to give him an answer. Really? And he made it very clear in the article. Didi just refused to answer the question. Hmm. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is a little weird. Um, let's go to RBIs for DD here over under at 84 and a half. Um, I will go, I'll, I'll go with the over on 84 and a half. So I go with the under on home runs, but I'll go with the over. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I jumped you. You you were supposed to go first there. That's okay. I'm going under. Okay. So, okay. Well then we disagree on DD. Yeah. I did a little hedge year. there. So yeah, I, but he could do both. I guess I 85 is a lot for what a six hole hitter. Yeah, I mean, do you think he starts in the six hole or the five? Well, we'll, we'll next segment we'll guess the lineup. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Joe structures it uh, to start the year. And uh, but before we get to the break, speaking of Joe Girardi, um, because you know you look at this team and how they are going to be set up this year. And, you know, we talk so much about the roster and the improvements and specifically the improvements of the bullpen and the pitching staff. But you look at what happened last year and the guys in the bullpen weren't the only ones who, who underperformed Um, because, you know, you look at this season and all the guys that are under pressure and certainly Reese Hoskins under a lot of pressure to be more consistent. Hasn't been consistent enough throughout the course of his career without a doubt. Um, You know, a guy like Zach Eflin is expected to take that next step forward. Aaron Nola, who, you know, we'll get to more in the 4 o'clock hour. I know I'm the minority here, but I want to see more from Aaron Nola. Like, I think Aaron is good. I don't think he's a legit ace at this point. But another person who should be under a lot of pressure this season is Joe Girardi. Because, man, I, I, I just think back to prior to the pandemic hitting. In February... Early March, Phillies are down in Clearwater, going into this first season with Joe Girardi. And all of the talk that, you know, Joe Girardi 
is going to come in here and he is going to immediately turn this thing around. I mean, the things that 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 we were hearing. Joe Girardi is good for 10-15 wins. Put it in the bank. You know, he is going to dramatically improve this team just his presence in that dugout, in that clubhouse. And that did not prove to be the case at all. You look at Joe Girardi and we are expecting, you know, and you can say you can't blame the manager for the struggles of the bullpen. And to an extent, I get that. Like, I understand that he didn't have a ton to work with. I understand that there were a lot of guys that were struggling last year. But when you bring in a guy like Joe Girardi, he is supposed to be a difference-making manager. There are certain guys who you know kind of the roles they play. I feel like Charlie was one of those guys where Charlie wasn't expected to be a difference maker. It turns out I think Charlie was a difference maker because he had a real um, good way about him of pushing the right buttons, of knowing what he needed to do at certain times to motivate certain guys, specifically a guy like Jimmy Rollins, where Charlie Manuel knew what buttons to push at the right times to motivate a guy like that. When you hired Joe Girardi, we were expecting a manager that was going to come in here and make a tangible impact, make a legitimate difference. Seriously, I think 10 to 15 wins is absurd. I mean, no baseball manager is going to make that kind of a difference. Yeah, that was bad. That was was just not. You talk about a guy that's going to come in here and help you win an additional five to seven games. Joe Girardi is supposed to be that. Joe Girardi did not do that last year. Like, this is a team that, I've said it a billion times, there is no excuse for them in a shortened season with an expanded playoff field not to go to the postseason. None. Joe Girardi has to be held responsible for that to a certain degree. We know Gabe would have been. And again, whenever I say this, I always say, you know, this is much less about defending Gabe Kapler than it is holding Joe Girardi accountable. Because any other manager, any other coach would have taken a hell of a lot of heat for what happened last year. And I get the bullpen guy sucked, but at what point, if you were a difference-making manager, if you were a manager who's supposed to be what? a top five guy in all of baseball, which is generally the type of elite level coach that Joe Girardi is thought to be. At what point do you got to push the right buttons? At what point are you somewhat held accountable for making the wrong decision at every turn? Cause we talk so much about roles, talk so much about, you know, earlier on how Hector's going to be the starter. Joe Girardi was way too married to guys in certain roles last year. How many times did he keep trying to force Brandon Workman in the ninth inning before when it's evident to everybody watching the game that this is not going to work? That Brandon Workman is going to blow this save. Every night he came in, you knew it was coming. Yet Joe Girardi, time in and time out, forced it and forced it and forced it without trying something different without trying something new. And as a difference-making manager, as a guy that is supposed to, you know, be a, 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 
a type of figure that is going to be the difference between you being two games over 500 or two games under 500. Joe Girardi failed last season. And for what we were expecting, what we were sold, I, for one, was majorly disappointed in what we got from Girardi. And as we look at the players on this roster and how they need to improve this year and how they need to, um, you know, live up to their expectations, the manager does as well. If something's not working, he needs to find a solution. Because Joe Girardi did not find any solutions last year. And other people were held accountable and deserved to be. I mean, Matt Klentak lost his job, should have lost his job. McPhail was kind of removed from power, should have been removed from power. But Joe Girardi got off pretty clean. And I don't mean clean as far as keeping his job. I didn't expect Joe Girardi to be fired. But I mean in terms of not taking any heat. Any criticism. I certainly haven't heard a lot of criticism coming Joe Girardi's way for what happened last year when he failed just as much as everybody else. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. We got open lines if you would like to join the show. Talking about the Phillies, uh, we will continue when we get back. Um, We'll look at the lineup for Thursday, kind of predict what we think it's going to look like. And also, I want to talk a little bit about Aaron Nola. And off that, we will uh, do some uh, over-unders for Aaron Nola uh, in this upcoming season. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham for another hour or so. Uh, Overlap show today, I believe, is with Jan Janssen. Uh so we'll talk to talk to Jan and see what Jan's got going on uh these days. Um TK, what's happening? There we go. There we go. Uh so we'll see what uh what, what Jan's got going on uh in the world of Jan Janssen these days. Uh, uh, the, they paint Jan as a very negative as a very negative guy. I don't I don't necessarily think that way. I think John 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 is you know not a super negative guy, I don't think. But that's coming from me, so, you know. Hmm. I, I, I have to think of the last time John was, uh, you know, John had high hopes for the Sixers two years ago, I guess. So well, I mean, I, like he has had, you know, it's not like he's always burying teams. I guess, uh, but I guess if I look at you as positive, that really doesn't, that, that doesn't speak to too much because I am viewed as very negative as well. Oh, yeah, anyone's positive next to you. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, and Al, Al is still, I think Al's, uh, still mad at me over the sister Jean thing. He really didn't like that. Like I tweeted oh. at him about it, and I thought he, you know, he'd at least you know respond to me in kind. He didn't even respond. I don't read that he's mad at you. I just think he's disappointed that you did that. I mean, I'm I'm disappointed in Al. I, do you know? Did you notice though, Mike? Uh, how they when 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 uh, Loyola Chicago wins, it's all you know, sister Jean, and then they lose. Uh, you know, it, it, they don't blame Sister Jean for the loss. They give her credit for the win. They don't blame her for the loss. I, I'm just saying. I don't know if she ever got credit. I think, no, they were saying, you know, she was, uh, uh, they, they were very impressed by her integrating the, um, into her prayer, you know, the, anal, the, the, 
the strategical aspects of the game. We had talked about it on the show, yeah. but you know, you may, maybe she didn't start. Maybe she didn't uh, scout hard enough for for the Beavers. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. So, uh, you know, just uh, I'm not going to get off this anti Sister Jean take, even though Al wants me to. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, talking about the Phillies on opening day, do you believe this will be the year that they break the streak and end their ten year? Um, playoff drought. I think this team is going to be dramatically improved. Uh, you know, last year was difficult to watch, especially with that bullpen and how you knew every game was going to go late when, you know, it didn't matter if the Phillies built up a lead. You weren't comfortable until that game was over. The bullpen is better. The, the the lineup top to bottom, I believe, is uh, one of the best in the National League. The starting rotation with frontline talent, with Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, a guy like Zach Eflin, who I think has a lot of potential. Um, you know, depth as far as the bench goes. The team's going to be better, but I still don't believe this is a playoff team. I still think they are third best in the National League East. I think they're probably the seventh, eighth best team in the league in general. You know, if it was expanded playoffs, as we were hoping for, I probably would have picked them to get in. But with only five teams making it from the National League, I don't believe this team is good enough. Do you think this is the year the drought ends? Talking about that. Also, whether you believe the Phillies are being overlooked, as Reese Hoskins said last week with the Cameron Ritchie, he thinks they're being overlooked. I would say, uh, you know, you have no reason, you have given the experts, you have given the analysts no reason to pick you to do anything. You know, this is a team that's underachieved two years in a row. That's just a fact. Reese Hoskins in particular has underachieved. He has been inconsistent. If you want to be regarded as highly as the Braves and the Nationals, you need to go out and you need to prove it on the field. There's a reason you're being overlooked. There's a reason why people are not talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, there's a lot of other star power in this division with the Braves and the Nationals and the Mets. Braves and Nationals, those are two teams that have proven it on the field. You know, the Mets have not. I am not as high on the Mets as most people are. I think the Lindor move is tremendous for them, and and locking him up long-term before the season starts is a hell of a move by Steve Cohen. But as a team this year, I don't believe in the Mets. Just like I don't believe in the Phillies. You got to prove it on the field. And uh, the Phillies will get their first opportunity on Thursday afternoon against the Braves. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And, you know, new season always brings excitement. And uh, Joe Girardi, who we discussed last segment, uh, spoke on Wednesday, held his preseason press conference, and talked about um, a number of issues with this team. We played you the sound earlier of him announcing Hector Neris would be uh, the closer. But here's more from Joe Girardi talking about his excitement uh, for this 2021 season. I've been through a number of um, opening days, and they're always exciting. There's always butterflies. Um, you really look forward to it. But I don't know. I, I feel like this one is different. You know, it's, you know, your first one is different as a player, your first one as a manager, but I feel like this one is different because we didn't have fans last year. It just has a completely different feeling. 
And I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I'm really looking as, as the season progresses, um, we're allowed more and more fans and it really gets back to normal. Um, I think when you see people come through the turnstiles and in the seats tomorrow, it's just going to feel like we're getting our lives back somewhat. And, um, I'm actually really looking forward to it to see fans in spring training was really, really nice. And not to have pumped in crowd noise and all of that. Um, it, it was just, it felt like we were alive again. Right. I mean, it just felt like it was baseball and I, and I can't wait till tomorrow. And that part is going to be exciting. Like uh, when sports came back, I thought baseball was going to be the sport where you wouldn't notice the fans as much. And it turned out to be the sport where I noticed no fans more than any. Like, I thought football was going to be the one where we'd really uh, notice the lack of that fan presence, and it was the complete opposite. Like, football, I really didn't notice it at all. Baseball's the one where you really did. Um, Because I guess just the shots of the crowd, there's so many just shots of the crowd, even just like that faint murmur of noise is just so, you don't realize how, how standard it is until it's not there anymore. And it was weird. Like I remember we, we talked about that Orioles game earlier where the Phillies blew the pop up in the infield, but uh, the inning before that, when Harper hits a home run and normally, you know, you have a, you know, what 35, 40,000 people going nuts. And, uh, you know, it was just Bryce Harper yelling at the dugout. It was odd and it will be nice having fans back, but here's more from Joe Girardi talking about, you know, getting this opportunity and starting the season playing against the class of the NL East and the Atlanta Braves? I, I think it's really consistency, and, and they're able to sustain runs. Um, they're not a club that necessarily goes to a one- or two-year run and then they fall off. They, they're able to put some really long runs together, and then they have to rebuild a little bit, and they're able to do it again. And I think that's, you know, since I remember, you know, playing against the Braves, that's kind of been their trademark. And the Braves have been one of the best teams in the National League over the last couple of years, uh, without a doubt. And, you know, we talk about Reese Hoskins' comments and him saying the Phillies are being overlooked. That's for good reason. Like, you're not looked at like the Atlanta Braves are looked at, even if you think you are comparable on paper, because the Atlanta Braves have done it on the field. And, I mean, they're a team coming into this year with, with something to prove. I mean, being a team that was up 3-1. I mean, what were they? Two innings from the World Series last year? Uh before Bellinger was it Bellinger hit that home run? Uh what what are you laughing at? I mean, uh, just on. what I get the guy wrong and you you're going to mock me for it? Will Smith homer off Will Smith. Oh yeah, that's you're right. You're giving me Will's, Bellinger? Yeah, well, I was driving in at the time. I remember I was driving in that night when when he hit that home run. So give me give me a break, Mike. You're always so quick to jump on me. I mean, But it, Will Smith homer off Will Smith. Okay, well, I didn't remember that. Sorry, I'm not a baseball expert like you are. I thought uh, that made it more memorable. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, the Braves are probably the team to beat in the division. Uh, here's Joe Girardi uh, on whether he feels that way. I think we got to beat a lot of teams in our division <laughs> um, when you look at it. But, I mean, you know, they won last year. They were, what, a game away from going to the World Series, I believe it was. So, I mean, I think they're probably considered the favorite, yes. 
And uh, I would say either the Braves or the Washington Nationals are clearly the two favorites in this division. Um, But here's more from Joe on how he thinks his squad stacks up this year. Well, I pretty much focus on the team that we're always playing. I I don't try to get too far ahead of myself because so many things can change in a couple days in the game of baseball. Um, So, you know, right now I'm just really digging into the Braves and what they do and, um, you know, they're a little bit different than last year, not completely different. You know, they added Charlie Morton in, in, into the rotation. Um, some of their bullpen pieces are gone. Um, Ozzie Albies, we did not see last year, and he's going to be in their lineup every day. So for the most part, they're, they're pretty similar to what we saw, but there's some different pieces that they have that we didn't see last year. And my focus is them, but in saying that, I know our division's very good. And we saw the Mets. They're very talented. Uh, Washington's very talented. Um, Florida's very talented. Um, there's a ton of good pitching in this division, um, which sometimes makes it difficult to score runs and you have to grind out at bats. But I, our division is stacked and it's going to be, you know, you can't take your uh, foot off the gas at any point or you could fall and lag behind. And, you know, that is the challenge to this season. I mean, this really is the best division in baseball. Um, Like, just look at the bottom of the division. Uh, The Marlins don't necessarily strike me as a typical fifth-place team. I mean, you look at that rotation. It's a pretty good rotation with Alcantara and Sanchez and and what they have there. you know, and a team that was in the playoffs last year and went to the went to the second round of the playoffs, even though it was um, expanded field. Uh, you know, that was uh, pretty impressive what the Miami Marlins were able uh, to do. And you look at the starter for Thursday's game in Aaron Nola, and I think he is one of the more interesting players to watch this year. And early in the season, it's always. Um, I guess difficult for these pitchers uh, in this these adverse conditions. Here's Joe Girardi on Aaron Nola, and whether there has any concerns of him throwing in the cold on Thursday. Well, I, I think it affects everybody, and I and I think you were if you were to ask ball players what they hate more than anything, it's probably wind um, when it's cold. It can be forty degrees and sunny, and players are like, oh, this isn't bad, right? Because they're moving around, but that wind makes it tough. But you know, for trying to get your feel on the pitchers can be difficult, but the thing about it is this isn't the first time Aaron's went through this. I mean, he's been through this. He knows how to prepare for this. Um, so could it affect him? Yeah. It could affect everybody. It could, you know, anyone who's playing tomorrow could affect, but I think the guys will, will grind through it and they'll be just fine. And you look at Aaron Nola and I mean, I, 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 I know I am in the minority when it comes to Aaron Nola. And it's not that I don't think Aaron Nola is a very good pitcher, a very good starter. But the way we have dubbed him an ace, like a no-doubt-about-it, surefire ace pitcher, I find to be premature. Like, I think Aaron Nola is very good. I think his season in 2018 was especially impressive. I mean, he came third in the Cy Young voting and uh, was one of the best pitchers in all baseball. But over the past two years, Aaron Nola has been too inconsistent. He has been. I mean, 2019 
was an inconsistent season for him. It was up and down. If you think back, it was one, you know, kind of bad month, followed by a really good month, and it was the way that whole season went for him. Struggled in April, really good in May, struggled in June, you know, got it together in July, and was pretty good at the end of the year, but it wasn't enough. And, and, you know, especially when you look at big games, when Aaron Nola has been in big games so far in his young career, he has underperformed. He had two opportunities in his final two starts at the end of last season to get the Phillies in the playoffs. They need one more win. And especially that final game against Tampa Bay, it went under the radar. Like, nobody really talked about it because, let's face it, we weren't really watching it. At that point, the Phillies had lost the first two games of that series. I think people had somewhat lost their enthusiasm for the team because of how much the bullpen was struggling and because of how much they had faltered down the stretch. But also it was at the same time of that Eagles-Bengals game. And we're all watching the Eagles. And Aaron Nola started that final game of the season and he gave up three runs right off the bat. And that's a spot where if you have an ace, if you have a true ace, he comes through for you there. Keeps you in the game. Doesn't give up those runs right off the bat and put you behind the eight ball. And earlier, his final start before that, when... The Phillies are in Washington. Nola struggles in that game. Gives up a bunch of runs early in that one. And defense behind him was bad. But uh, as a true ace, if he is a true ace, he needs to be better. He needs to be more consistent. And I'm looking at Aaron Nola to do that this year. I want to see him do that this year. I want to see him take that step to become a true ace uh, that, um, quite frankly, I think we've dubbed him way too early on in his career. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. So we'll throw that out there as well. If you think Aaron Nola is a true ace, um, very good starter. Certainly a strong number two. But I think Zach Wheeler is the ace of the staff. I think he was last year. And if you have one game to win when you really need it, I'm more confident with Zach Weir on the mound than I am with Aaron Nola. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Still got to do some more of our predictions over unders. We'll do those in a couple minutes here, but... Um, I did need to talk about the Eagles a little bit. Uh, I wanted to say something about the the pro days. I saw a lot of people were swooning over Jamar Chase and um, Kyle Pitts' pro days on Wednesday. And I'll give you my take in a second. I see Marty wants to talk about the Eagles, so let's go to Marty. What's up, Marty? Hey, Cap Gun. What's going on, man? How's it going? I think it was a bad move for them to, to trade out of that spot. Why is, why is that? Why are you uh, down on the move? And and I, I've been listening to you all week, and you, you keep praising Cowie for, for making that move. I am. I think it was a good move. I don't think so. Because you can't miss a six, but you can miss a, th- a 12. 
How so? What, what do you mean you can't miss at six? Like you can technically miss anywhere, but why do you think that it's such a big drop off from six to twelve? If you get Kyle Pitts, that guy's a it's like he's a beast. He could be, but Marty, I would he could I, be the next Rob Gronkowski. But but Marty, I, I I do have question about this. Like if and I know a lot of people are high on Kyle Pitts. They think he's going to be a star, and he very well might be. But if he was that good, why wouldn't he just be a wide receiver? He can be both. But if you are a wide receiver, if you are designated a wide receiver by position, you make a lot more money. So if he's that good, why would he not just make himself a wide receiver? He can be both. But that's you what, That's but, what I'm getting at. He but can the, be both. Right, but the point and is, he, if he is a wide receiver by position, by name, he is going to get paid a lot more money based on how it's slotted. And who are we going to draft at 12? I mean, you could draft Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, um, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan. J.C. Horn, I've never even heard of him. He's a corner from South Carolina. He's yeah, like the, the first or second South best Carolina. corner in the draft. Yeah, so what? Really? What, no good players ever come from South Carolina? Alshon came from South Carolina. Stephon Gilmore's great corners came from there as well. Who came from South Carolina? Stephon Gilmore, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey's a great eagle. Alshon Jeffrey's a joke. Why is he a joke? I mean, he, Alshon oh, Jeffrey dropped, exposed us to... He dropped the pass that, that could have went to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that game. He also caught a big touchdown in the Super Bowl the year before. So, you so just, Marty... You, you just going to cut me off, or so, you going to let me keep talking, or what? I mean, you're on the air, Marty. I mean, what, do you want me to cut you off? I will no. if you want me to. I, no, I don't want you to. All right, well, then go ahead and talk. But... I, I don't trust Howie. It's at, at 12. Yeah, I know. You already said that, Marty. You got anything else? I mean, he's a fucking joke. Okay. All right, Marty. You're going to have to You're gonna have to go now. I mean, calm down, Marty. Relax. I mean, he's like, uh, I, I was letting him go. You I tell me when him... you're going to let me talk. Are you, you going to let me talk now? Uh, <laughs> it sounded like a lot of background uh, noise there. I wonder if I was with Jolly at that. I probably was. Maybe you were. Yeah. Um, but... You remember your nickname, though. you know? Yeah, I mean, I thought we were having a casual conversation. Then Marty got a little, got Cap a little gun Kelly. There. But um, you know, and I'm fine. Honestly, if you don't like the trade, I'm fine with you not liking the trade. I mean, I I like it for a number of reasons. I was just thinking about this the other day, and I think this will be fun. Um, how about this? Like, we have three games to be interested in every week now: Eagles game, Colts game, Dolphins game. It's like we're watching three Eagles games. Every week, Mike, how fun is that? You root for the Eagles, root for the Colts to lose, which I will absolutely root for the Colts to lose every single week. That redheaded jerk is quarterback in that team. Um, I'll root for the Dolphins to lose. I mean, that's a lot to pay attention to from from week to week. And then the uh, the Buddy Boys will root for whoever the Cowboys are yeah, playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, always, but who really cares about that? Um, but, you know, you look at the move down, and if you don't like the trade, that's fine. Like, I, and I'm not telling you you have to like the trade. I do. I think moving down six spots, getting an additional first round pick, I think it's good value personally. But something that, and and uh, you know, uh, so something that was bothering me on Wednesday, and this is based off an afternoon show poll that they had uh, going on Wednesday, is the poll was after Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts's pro days. Do you think how he made a mistake? He may have made a mistake. Like, I, I I can't predict the future. 
you know, I think it's a good trade, but if they trade out a six and Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts fall to six and one of them ends up being getting drafted in that spot and ends up being an old world superstar, then yeah, it's going to be looked at as the Eagles made a mistake if they don't end up getting a player at 12. But if your mind is really swayed because of a pro day, like who the hell cares? Is there anything more overrated? Then what a guy runs in a Ford. Remember who, who ran like the fastest 40 ever? John Ross. Mm-hmm. What has John Ross done in his career? Does he even have a job anymore? Is he even in the NFL? Uh, he was on the trade block at one point. Isn't he on the Giants? Is he on the Giants? I mean, they're just collecting receivers at this point. It won't matter because they don't have a quarterback. Maybe he's not on the Giants. Though. Maybe I think you're I know I think you might be right about that. Um but uh, like who cares about a pro day? Like if you don't like the trade. And you think the Eagles moving down was a bad move, uh, fine. But the idea that anything, anybody's mind should be changed based on what a guy looks like at a pro day. Like, we've seen Kyle Pitts play. We've seen Jamar Chase play. If you think that they are too good to pass up at six, then fine. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'll disagree because, you know, I think the trade down is, is a smart move. But... To change your opinion based on the pro day is 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 dumb. And um, by the way, I got a additional social media thing here. Um, the most salty person on on social media these days is uh, our buddy Lou Riddick. Where um, I, Kevin Nagandi had tweeted out, uh, uh, you know, I guess he's an Eagles fan, works at ESPN. Um, and he likes to, you know, I think he fancies himself like the leader of Temple Nation uh, nationally. But he tweeted out, um, it's a shame the Eagles traded down so they won't have, uh, so they can't get Kyle Pitts. And Lou Riddick quote tweeted it and said they had their chance. So Lou, I mean, any chance he gets to take a shot at Howie, he just can't resist. Get over it. You got beat out. I mean, he he can't get over. I mean, it's 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 a little it's a little crazy how uh, jealous Lou Riddick is. And I, you know, well, he hasn't gotten a, a job since then, right? He's just right, been in broadcasting, right? He, right? Like, like I mean, and everybody always talks about well, Lou Riddick. He should get that general managing job. Well, why do why does this guy? If he's such a smart football mind, how does he not get any jobs he interviews? For? Well, he interviewed for. Lions, Falcons, Texans, right? He interviews for jobs every offseason. He gets known for three. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, so maybe he's just right. maybe he's just not as great a football mind as as everybody thinks he is. Good broadcaster. I think he's a good broadcaster. I think he's good on TV. But you know, some guys are cut out to be. Some guys are cut out to be football guys. Some guys truly love ball, and other guys don't love ball. So basically, Howie's right. Maybe, maybe Lou Riddick just doesn't love ball as much as Howie does. Um, or Nick Sirianni for that matter. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's do over-unders for NOLA here, Mike. Um, Aaron NOLA, total wins. Uh, now, you know, I'm a little critical of Aaron NOLA, but his over-under for wins here is at 13 and a half. I'm, I'm hammering the over on 13 and a half. I mean, if he stays healthy, that's a lock, right? Yes, I'm not hammering it though, but I'm going over. Yeah, Aaron Nola, every time he talks, and I guess his actions indicate this too. He, he's very interested in going uh, 34, 35 starts every every year, year after year, and not missing a turn. So yeah, I mean, it, now, 
Now, what do you think? What do you think of my Nola take, Mike? You 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 disagree with my Nola take, right? You think he's a legit ace? I don't think he's a legit ace. Okay. I actually I I think people I. To me, there's only like a dozen aces. Do Do you think he has that big game gene though? Like, are you worried about the the big game thing? Because every time he's in a big spot, he seems to really f- falter. I think it's a physical thing more than a mental thing. Just I think he physically I think he physically runs out of gas. Because really, nobody. Nobody, you know, talked about that Tampa game, the last game of the season, but he didn't really give the Phillies a chance in that game. Yeah, what was that? Was that during? They, they were down. The, it was down during the Eagles Bengals game. You're right. It was. Yeah, and so nobody was paying attention. Nobody's watching. Jack Fritz was right. Um, during the yeah, Eagles I'll give Jack game. credit for that. If he was watching it during the Eagles Bengals game, then you know I give him credit because you know base, baseball guys. <laughs> yeah, I'd. Would have watched that game. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think he needs to be better. So, uh, 13 and a half for him. We're both going over. Strikeouts, 224 and a half Ks for Knowles, uh, Knowles. this season. Uh, where are you going there? Uh, I'm going over. Yeah, I'll go over on that. I'll go over on 224 and a half as well. Um, let's do uh, some over-unders for Kutch here um, before we hit the break. Uh, Kutch... His uh, home run total is set at 24 and a half. Um, I will go under on 24 and a half. I think that's a little high. I'm going to smash the under. Okay, so you're smashing the under there. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a little high for, for Kutch. And then RBIs, he's at 72 and a half. Where are you going there, Mike? Uh, I'm going way under. He's a leadoff hitter. Yeah, I'm going to take the under as well. I mean, I guess he could um, be moved down in the lineup, and we'll uh, we'll actually look at the uh, the lineup in the final segment of the show. That's when we'll finish up our predictions. Um, but uh, we'll predict the lineup for Thursday. Obviously, the lineup will change throughout the year, but uh, the lineup for Thursday. But I think we both have Kutch leading off uh, and playing left field on Thursday. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. When we get back. Uh, I did want to do a quick Sixers update as there is some good news on the horizon for the 76ers. Talk about that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Get to John in in a second here, and I'll also get to a Sixers update after I uh, talk to John. But real quick, uh, an interesting stat on the NBA trade deadline that I heard. Um, and, Mike, I want to know if you, you knew this stat. Did you know that at the NBA trade deadline this year, every player in the league named Gary was traded? How about that? Gary Clark, Gary Harris. Gary Trent. Gary Trent. I don't know about the other Garys, but uh, that, I just heard that. I didn't fact check it. But every player named Gary apparently was traded at the deadline. I thought to that was a question. I did not know that. I, th- I thought that was an interesting stat. Just yeah. wanted to pass it along. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. I'll follow up on that, though. See, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You're my watchdog, so uh, watch <laughs> watchdog away. Gary Two, Payton Jr., is he still in the league? I, don't, I doubt it. 215-592-9494. Let's go to John. What's up, John? Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Um, it's, it's funny you bring up the Gary stat. Um, for a while, I thought the Eagles had a stat for drafting Jalen. Like, every other player was named Jalen. Yeah, I saw, it was funny. I saw somebody tweeted out the other day a mock draft 
with the Eagles just taking a different Jalen in every round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I have a question, and it relates to the value of draft picks and how this draft might be a little different than, than, than uh, most drafts. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you trade down from 6 to 12, there's a point value associated with that. Like, draft, like you're, you're trading a, a 1,600-weight pick for, like, a 1,200-weight pick. And so that nets you $400 or 400 uh, points in capital, and that's how much you should be getting back in, in return for your trade. Right. Um, my question is, because there's going to be four quarterbacks taken in the first five picks, of which two or three of them are, are probably reaches, it means that at, at the sixth pick, you're really getting like the third best player in the draft. If you don't need a quarterback, you're getting the third best player. Right. So when we when we evaluate the trade, we shouldn't be evaluating this from a drop from six to twelve. We should be evaluating this as a drop from three to nine, and that gets you like eight hundred and fifty points as opposed to four hundred. So if we think that it's equitable, for if we think what we got back was equitable from a six to twelve, we're really like four hundred points short on trade. Right. But does that make does that make sense? Like, no, no, it does. It does, John, and it's part of the reason why I you know, like the trade, because you look at, and like you said, um, at least three quarterbacks are going in the top five, maybe four, um, you know, definitely three. And then, you know, you look at, you move down to 12. I think it's a pretty safe bet that if five of those top 11 picks are going to be quarterbacks. So you could be getting what the sixth best, not non-quarterback in the draft. And, and I think that's worth it to drop down and pick up a, an additional first round pick next year. I, I really do. All right, all right. No, no, yeah. I, I hadn't heard that point uh, really being talked about. I wasn't sure which way it, would, it should influence whether or not we we got something good or we got something bad. That's right, all. and I think a lot of it just depends, you know, on how much you like, uh, you know, the guy that you think is going to be there at six. Like, the Eagles could look at it and, and, and think, okay, well, if they really liked Sewell, Pitts, or Chase, they could be confident one of those guys would be there at six. Um but, you know, say they really only liked one of those guys, say they love Chase and they thought he'd go fifth, then, you know, I don't have a problem moving back and getting Devontae Smith or or one of the cornerbacks. So, yeah, I mean, that, that I definitely think that was part of the calculation was the Eagles looking and projecting at a lot of quarterbacks going early on in this draft. Awesome, man. Yep, Thanks a lot. appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Though. No problem, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, yeah, you can't argue both ways. Like, uh, you know, I look at it more as you drop back and you still get a, a damn good player, be it Devontae Smith or, or Sertan or, or Horn, one of those guys. But you can also look at it and say, okay, well, you could have sat at six and taken Sewell, Chase, or, or Pitts. Um, I just think this team's more than a player away, and I don't think one player is going to change the outlook all that much. So I'd rather drop down, get the extra first round pick, um, keep acquiring assets. And you never know how you can use these things down the line. It doesn't mean you're just taking all these draft picks. Like you can use draft picks for trades. Look at the Rams. The Rams haven't taken a first round pick for years. They don't have a first round pick for like next four years. And I think that could be part of the Eagles model here as well as they look at these picks and it wouldn't surprise me if they start moving some of these picks for established players that they know they can bring in here because they will have cap room to pay them. 215-592-9494. And uh, in the last segment, we'll finish our predictions. We will finish our over-unders. But I did want to do a little Sixers update here. And, you know, last night was a, a rough one for the Sixers. As they went to Denver, 
Um, the altitude, it's it's always the night when, uh, you know, uh, I, I like seeing Spike fight with the Denver fans on, on Twitter. It's always pretty entertaining. Um, but the Sixers uh, take a pretty rough L to the Nuggets on Tuesday night. At least it was one of those where you get blown out early and you can kind of check out, watch the uh, the Michigan game. By the way, what a what a uh, bad performance from Michigan. How about my guy, Mike? Mick Cronin. I yeah. told you, you know, you're in a back back alley brawl with Nick Mick Cronin. He looks like he looks like he's gonna he's gonna kill somebody on the bench. He really does. He's always screaming. Um, what, what did I say? Something controversial there? No. Okay. I didn't say anything. Oh, you took a deep breath. Like, whoa. Uh, oh, I, honestly, I was leaning back in my chair. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, we still go. Should we still do our our you know our uh our recap in the final segment? I guess we got to do that to end the show, right? Uh yeah, I mean, I guess we got to preview the final four, and we got to declare yeah. the winner of our competition. Oh, it, it's decided. It's been decided. Okay, but anyway, uh, Nick Cronin out- coached the yeah, hell out of that right. game. He outcoached Jawan Howard and Phil Martelli, by the way. Um, yep. You know, Phil's Phil's got to do a better job as the associate head coach than that. I mean, forty nine points in an elite eight game. That's not acceptable. Michigan settling for a lot of bad shots at the end of that game uh, from somebody who placed a wager on them. But not, way, not very it, good. I thought it was, I guess because it was on TBS, he doesn't go on there. It's a little disappointing that Nance and Raff got the night off. Yeah, that is. They, they, they shouldn't get the night off. What are we doing? It's the Elite Eight. Yeah, it's the Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. He, he, who was calling that game? I already forget. Uh, B.A. was one of them. I like Brian Anderson. He's yeah, good. He's all right. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so so uh, Mick Cronin gets the job done. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But uh, Sixers have a tough night. Doc Rivers not very happy after. Here's Doc Rivers uh, on the uh, Sixers loss. You know, it was one of those games where uh, it looked like we were running in quicksand. Uh, they attacked us early. You know, uh, we never really recovered from it. You know, we got into a scrum at the end of the game, but that was, you know, what it was. Um they were better prepared. They're 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 definitely more ready individually as a group. They're better. Um, so no excuses. We just didn't play very well. No, and it was a terrible performance. Here's more from Doc on the only positive of this game. The the uh, clock finally expired. That was one very good positive because I was hoping that they would do the uh, AU rules and just speed the clock up a little bit. I thought we should have had a running clock from probably the first quarter on. Um, <laughs> and it was that bad. Um, but you you move forward here, and better days are ahead because the Sixers play tonight in Cleveland. Um, and then after this game, Joel Embiid will return on Saturday. Is Sixers are saying they'll update his situation Friday, but but uh, Shams tweeted out that he is expected to play on Saturday night, and you know even though that was a frustrating loss. And not a great road trip for the um, for the 76ers. This turned out not that bad for them in regards to Joel Embiid. For Joel Embiid to miss three weeks and the Sixers to only lose three games over that stretch. Um, I don't know how many games they won. Uh, do you have their schedule in front of you, Mike? If you don't, that's fine. Uh, they, they went probably, like, what, 7-3, and 8-3, and three, something like that. Um, but... For them to go through that stretch without Joel Embiid, only lose three games. The only three games they lose to Milwaukee, an overtime game that they should have won. Um, 
and on the road to the Clippers and the Nuggets at the back end of a West Coast trip, that's not a bad scenario at all. And yeah, they fell out of first place for the time being. Nets won on Wednesday. They're a half game out of the one seed. But that does not really matter at this point. Sixers kept their head above water without Joel Embiid. And when he went down, you know, the second he went down, we think his season might be over. For you to say at that point he will miss three weeks, the Sixers will lose only three games to the Bucks, Clippers, and Nuggets, we would have said that was a hell of an outcome. So go beat Cleveland on Thursday. And Cleveland's been a team that has given the Sixers trouble of late, beat them at home earlier this year. But if you win that game, you only lose those three with them beat out. You kept your head above water. You did your job without Joel Embiid. So um, I think things are looking up for the 76ers. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will uh, close up the show. We'll predict the lineup for Thursday. We'll finish our over-unders, finish our MLB predictions, and um, we will do our Elite Eight recap and Final Four picks for Saturday night. So a lot to do in the final segment of the show. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. Still a lot to do in the final segment. Uh, I guess we'll we'll, uh, anoint our winner of the bracket challenge which by the way you're speaking about this mike i am imagining it's not a good result for me but uh, i think the only language i used was i said we had to i know but the, the way you, the way you said it just you know i don't know i don't know just reading into it i have a feeling i didn't win this one and also because i i didn't pick a lot of these games right that's probably the bigger tell um but we'll get to that uh, in a minute, but first let's 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 look at the lineup for for Thursday. Here is uh, the Phillies going out facing Max Freed, uh, the lefty. Um, so I guess we'll go one by one here. We both have McCutcheon leading off in the left field. I'm assuming, right? Yep. Uh, batting second, I think Reese hits second at first base. Same. Okay. Uh, Harper third. Yeah. Right. All right. We're gonna have the same lineup anyway. Uh, JT cleanup. Yeah. I have Didi fifth. I have Boehm. Okay, there you go. I think he breaks up the, the righties. I'll have Boehm sixth, and I'll just go Segura, and then I think Quinny gets the start in, in center. Yeah, I, I would actually hit Quinny ninth and hit the, the pitcher eight. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, I mean, Nola probably has better chance to get a hit than Roman Quinn does. Um, do you have that, that Jim Salisbury clip, by the way? Jim Salisbury was on with the morning show uh, on, on Wednesday morning, and, you know, kept it real because you know we talk about the Oduble situation and you know this is something that if this was a pure baseball decision it was the wrong decision and it could end up costing the Phillies games early on in the year here was Jim Salisbury on that decision to keep Roman Quinn over Oduble Herrera yeah I think Roman Quinn we've seen a lot of him and people love to talk about his injury history I'm not even going to talk about his injury history he doesn't hit he doesn't hit <laughs> Uh, he struck out 33% of the time last year. He only walked 4% of the time. He doesn't get on base to use his um, his one tool. And his tool can really help you offensively and defensively. But if you don't hit, you can't get on the li- in the lineup and then help defensively. So I think they project as a better team with Oduble. And um, I would not be surprised if we're going to see him at some point. I mean, well said. I mean, it's true. Um, the guy can't hit. And I said the other night. 
He reminds me of Ben Revere. He's a he's a poor man's Ben Revere, which I don't know how frustrating of a player that can be to watch. Um, but you know, he's a guy who's fast and doesn't do anything else well. And I mean, he's probably going to be starting in center field on opening day. I don't get it. Um, yeah, I mean, aside from his speed, the best thing he had going for him in this competition was he was out of options and could not be sent back to the minors. And that he has the ability to stand on the right side of the plate. Like, (laughs) you know, like not hit from the right side of the plate, but he can stand over there. Yes. Um, So, uh, yeah. So Roman Quinn uh, being on the roster, I do not support. Let's finish before we finish the over-unders, Mike, and do our uh, NCAA tournament update. Uh, Let's let's finish with our picks um, for the National League. Uh, So in the West, I have the Dodgers first, Padres second, uh, D-backs third. Gabe's Giants fourth and the Rockies fifth. Where do you go there? Uh, I I like I like the Dodgers. I think they're 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 stacked again, just totally loaded. Um, Padres have a really good lineup. They're solid again. Uh, I'm not as high on the D-backs as I was last year. You know, I was very high on them last year. Um, and then the Rockies are going to be terrible. Where where do you go this year? Yeah, yeah I was because you don't have to sell anyone on, on the Dodgers one. Yeah, uh, Dodgers, Padres, Giants. Diamondbacks, Rockies. Of course, you, of course, you'd overinflate Gabe. Gabe I'm not over this. like what they have going on there. The last two years with the or the last year with the hitting coach is kind of crazy. Like they're turning these guys who like Brandon Bell and, and Longoria, their careers looked over. And now they're hitting over 300. Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan Solano, Alex Dickerson. Uh, get Buster back? Yeah, I don't. I don't feel great about him. Okay. But yeah, he's back. Uh, Miss Wilmer Flores. These guys are just all of a sudden hitting again. Um, so I think something's going on out there. I would take a look at over 75 and a half for them, by the way. Really? I would pound the under on that for 75 and a half. I think they kind of overachieved last year. They did, but I think they're also getting better. Like they're adding, like their guys are graduating through the system. Okay. All right. That's a lot of well, uh, giants talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. A little too much. Uh, in the AL East, I, I, I mean, the Yankees are loaded. I think they're going to win that division. Uh, I'll go with the Rays second. I still think they are, are um, well set up here. Jays are, are talented. Don't think they're ready yet. Red Sox fourth, uh, O's fifth. Where do you go there, Mike? Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Jays, O's. Okay. In the Central, I'll go with the Twins uh, to win the division. Uh, I like the White Sox second. I think the White Sox are improved. Um, I'll go with the Tribe third. This is the last year they will be the Indians, right? They said as early as 2022 is when the change comes. So, I guess. So, yes. Oh, so as early. So, not definite. Yeah, they, they didn't say right at an ink. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'll go with the Tigers fourth and the Royals. The Royals are going to be, they're, they'll be uh, challenging the Pirates for the uh, worst record in baseball, I think. No, I th- uh, you know, our friend Tim Kelly's high on the Royals. He thinks they're going to overachieve. Really? Yeah. Um, He's not listening now because it's overnight. Right, right. Good point. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll put the Royals third. Uh, I'm missing a team. What are the Indians or the Tigers? Oh, the Indians fourth, and then uh, the Tigers fifth. Hmm. Tigers. Okay. Third. All right. I thought maybe I, I, I'm maybe I, I am uh, underselling the Royals a little bit. I think the Indians are going to sell people off too. Okay. Um, in the AL West, I, I like the Astros to win that division. Uh, they proved last year that, that they don't necessarily need the cheating. Um, they, they were still able to to perform well last year. I'll go with the A's second, Angels third, Mariners fourth, Rangers fifth. The Rangers are going to be pretty bad, right? I'm right on that one. Yeah, they uh, they cut uh, Rugnet Odor the other day. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Interesting move. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. For them, I don't know why you just wouldn't give them a chance. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Houston one. They they're minus one twenty seven to make the playoffs. I would smash that. They're plus one thousand to win the AL pennant. I would take a look at that too. Okay. Because I think they're gonna win that division, and then right, you know, at, from there they have one three chance basically. Um, Angels second. I guess a little surprising. I'm just I think some of those guys could have career years, especially Otani's getting um. A lot of the books are exposed if Otani wins MVPs. A lot of a lot mm. of wagers coming in on that. I don't I don't see him his health holding up for that. His arm has to hold up because I think his bats right legit. Yeah. Uh, A's third, Mariners fourth, and then the Rangers fifth. Okay, and then in the AL, my uh, wild cards. I have the Rays and the White Sox. I have the Rays over the White Sox in the wild card game. I have the Yankees over the Astros in the ALCS. I have. I just did ALCSs. I had um. I had the Yankees over the Astros in the ALCS. Okay. Like, then, uh, I guess my wild card, I'll uh, put in the White Sox and the Rays. Okay. My wild card's in the NL, Nats and Brewers. Uh, you know I'm high on the Brew Crew again. Um, and then I have the Braves over the Dodgers in the NLCS. I have the Yankees over the Braves in the World Series. I have the Braves and Padres being the wild cards. Ooh. And then in the NLCS, uh, the Dodgers over the Nationals. Okay. So there, there you go. And then what's your World Series, Mike? The Dodgers repeat. Dodgers repeat again. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I have the I have the uh, I have the Yankees. So uh, let's finish with the over unders here, and then we'll do our tournament recap. A uh, Wheeler twelve and a half wins. Um, I'll go over on that too. I think Nolan Wheeler both go over on their win totals. Um, I think we'll have a deal stint. I'll go under. Okay. Uh, F um ten and a half is his uh. Over under here, uh, where are you going there, Mike? Under. He, he's yet to put together a full 30, 35 start season. Yeah, I'll take the under on that. And then uh, Hector, total saves over under 15 and a half. I'm coming under. I mean, it, it, Hector's not going to hold that job for very long. I'm going over. I think he can get to like 18 or 20. Okay. So those are the over-unders. And then uh, let's do our uh, tournament recap real quick here um, as – we are wrapping up this NCAA tournament. Um, wh- so who won our bracket challenge, Mike? Me. It's shocking. <laughs> Not very surprising there. Um, well, I, in the final, you had Gonzaga over Illinois. I had Gonzaga over Baylor. I'm already ahead of you, so there's just no path to you winning. All right. And picks for, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed, the, the, the lack of music here. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um and then, uh, as we said, uh, we talked about it last segment, Mick Cronin, uh, my guy with the big win over uh, Jawan Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Um, what was the other game? I already forget. Ba- Baylor play the other night? I don't know. Are, are you uh, talking about Tuesday? Yeah, um, I'm not very well prepared for no, this. No, Gonzaga blew at USC. Okay, that's right. Um, and then the final four, Baylor giving up five to Houston. I like Baylor to cover that personally. And then, yeah, that's going to be a good game, but yeah, I agree. And then UCLA, Gonzaga, I'll take UCLA to cover the 14. Is it still 14? Yes. Wow. Yeah, uh, as soon as it came out last night, Rob and I looked at each other and said, that's that's going to go down. Got to get in on that. Yeah, that, that might be that might be an under game. UCLA can't really score. They, maybe they can hold Gonzaga down a little bit. It's 145 and a half. Gonzaga could put up like 90, though. Yeah, that could be a game that's a 40-point blowout, or it's a... A rock fight in the 50s. <laughs> Pat McAfee did his first, like, 20 minutes of his podcast today declaring Gonzaga the greatest college basketball team of all time. 
Really? <laughs> like, well, they just, could just be. because they won an elite eight, elite eight game. Yeah. Well, if they win the tournament, maybe they will be. So uh, that'll do it for the show tonight. A lot of predictions from Mike and I in the final segment of the show. Um, but uh, that'll do it for tonight. I'll be back Saturday into Sunday. Uh, hope everybody enjoys opening day. Thanks to Mike Angelina for producing. Next up, we'll talk to John Johnson for the overlap. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.